I, th I think the the kind of like moments of angstiness I kind of forgave for the um like the the kind of storylines that they were delving into or creating for the show which I thought were actually really like interesting and not ridiculously forced even though a couple of the lines every now and then <laughs> definitely were <laughs> I, I have so I have so much to say about this but continue all right yeah Welcome to another episode of The Keeg Live. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. We're here to talk about Titans. It's that show that's on season three right now. It was on DC Universe. That doesn't exist in the same way that it does now. It's on HBO Max now. Uh, we're three episodes into Titans season three, and uh, I would love to talk about it. And I can't talk about it alone, so I brought two lovely guests for me today to talk to uh, about. We got... Terrell Charles, who's been on the show before. Terrell, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. I know it's hard. Yeah. Time zones aren't easy, but good to be back. I I feel like uh, there was there was a there was a love story about like a kid who lived on Mars and a girl who lived on Earth or something, right? And I that, feel like it's that. Is that I, awesome? Am I the girl on Earth? I'll take that. I mean, yeah, or Mars. I don't know. Is, yeah, is, is, we're both wearing Superman shirts right now, so I feel like one of us has to be like the the, the foreign alien. <laughs> the other oh. one has to be oh. the human. Well, on this episode, because I seem to be outnumbered by Brits uh, on this episode for the first time ever. Normally, Terrell's the 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 odd man out, but now I'm the odd man out, and uh, we'll get to that. Um, let me introduce my second guest, Abby Zarafa Byrne. Abby, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing all right. Thank you, like, so much for inviting me onto this. I am so excited. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, uh, you, you, if you're gonna thank me, you gotta thank me at the end after we haze you. Cause, right? Do you guys call it hazing over there? Is it? Is it still hazing? Yeah, it's not yeah. like a, like a common term that we often use, but like we know it. Yeah, we do we do the con the concept of hazing without calling it hazing, if that makes sense. Like, what what do you what do you call it? I want to make fun of you guys, but you guys outnumber me now, so <laughs> I can't I can't make any jokes. I think it's just friendly like, bullying, yeah. <laughs> oh. teasing. Okay, oh, yeah. okay, Jeez. all right. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there are other words that will pop up over the course of. Uh, uh, this show where I'm going to be like, what does that, what does that mean? Is there, is there another word for it? Uh, it's the inside okay. jokes between me and Abby. It's like mm -hmm. making fun of you. You would never know. Oh, it's a no. whole different language. Uh, yeah, you guys are going to be just talking in a bunch of slang that I have nothing, and I'm like, I don't, who are you? Are you talking about me? Uh, okay. Um, uh, I'm really lucky to have you two here um, to talk about uh, Titans, the show, um, but also just in general, lucky to have you two here. You do both, uh, do great TikToks. Um, obviously I found Terrell first and then Abby, you said you started recently with TikTok. Yeah, I started, I, I, I literally only started on the second week of WandaVision. Um, and the only reason that I did start, like I made the account then it wasn't even like I had a private account and then I just started putting videos up. 
I made the entire account purely because my parents, who I watched the first two episodes of WandaVision with, <laughs> just came up with so many theories with me and just said, put them up somewhere, post them somewhere. And I gave in and I did it. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a lot of us. Like I created the Keeg because I was, at, at the time I was doing so much improv and, and getting off at like 2 a.m. in the morning. And then me and my buddy Hero would hang out till sunrise in the parking lot just talking about Hugo Strange from Batman or like some <laughs> random topic. And it was like, well, let me just make a podcast or something. This was years ago. And I was like, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's do it. Um, Terrell, you had a similar thing? Yeah, I got very similar, but maybe more in, in a more of a bullying sense when I first <laughs> joined. So I joined like, I keep forgetting it was like late November, early December, somewhere around that time period. Uh, Netflix in the UK had just added uh, Into the Spider-Verse. So it, like, it got like a resurgence internationally. Everyone was talking about it again. And I kept on messaging my friends and I was like, guys, look at this Easter egg that I found in Spider-Verse. Like, this is so cool. Look at the art in this scene. Look at the animation in this scene. And it was like very like, cool. like I don't know. I, I, I was that nerdy like English student that like, Reads too deep into everything. So with spider of us, I was like, guys, this could represent. Like, I, I don't know why I was so enthusiastic. Like in the group chat, because like my, it is like basically my favorite film. Uh, so I got, as soon as it came back, I was like not shying up. And then my friends were just like, if you don't make a TikTok and shut up about this damn movie, <laughs> like they will like it. But I think I, I probably ruined it for them because I just I broke it down to like the stunts. So yeah. Like just put it on TikTok. We, we're, we're done. Just like this is interesting. <laughs> We're, we're interested out. I like just get it on like online. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, then about, I think a month later or so, two months later, I think one, one division started and like my over-analysis of Spider-Verse just rolled into an over-analysis of one division, which conveniently, people were really into analyzing that show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I fell into that. I fell it, apart. It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like specifically what happened to me, and I guess this is probably where like, uh, Dimitri and I just probably cross paths is that when the conversation around one division started, I think Marvel TikTok was very prominent in America specifically. Mm-hmm. So my like old British voice just suddenly found myself in a lot of like American audiences before any British people even knew who I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that somehow rolled over, and even to this day, people are like, "Are you sure you're British? Why are all your followers Americans?" Like, I don't know. I have like five <laughs> British mutuals, and then the rest of them are like American accounts. <laughs> Um, right now, uh, before we even get started, I just want to do a shout out right now. Uh, we do stream to multiple platforms. If you've heard of it, we probably stream to it, but our main platform is volume.com slash the Keeg show volume.com specifically. Uh, it's a new streaming platform based around artists like musicians, singers, niche geek shows, such as, uh, this one. Um, and so uh, volume.com is a really cool new platform. So anyone watching this should create an account and then uh, uh, chat in the chat because we would love to hear from you. Uh, I know I saw Randall here on another streaming platform. Randall says, are we allowed to ask questions? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have our own conversations that will be going along, but we will be able to answer questions if anyone in the audience had questions. I see Cindy out there. What's up to Cindy? What's up to Steph? Um, and then if you are listening to this, but you're like, wait, I can't see anyone's faces. Oh yeah, you must be listening to the podcast. The podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio. I think those are the five. 
Um, so if you like to see people's faces when they talk, you can always watch the live stream whenever we live stream. Uh, follow us on Instagram at The Keeg Show to figure out that schedule. But if you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you too. So thank you so much. Uh, today's episode, we are talking about Titans. It's that Teen Titans related DC Comics live action show. It's in season three. They released three episodes of season three already. So we're here to talk about everything up to that point. Uh, but we're also here to talk about like just adaptations in general. And what do we want from these adaptations? What makes a good adaptation? Um, because uh, this show is an adaptation of the Teen Titans comics, which you could see in my background right here. Um, well, if you're not listening to the podcast, if you're watching live stream, you can see my background. Uh, I have Teen Titans in my background for anyone listening to the podcast. But point being is, what makes a good adaptation? Like, and this means for anything, whether it's The Hunger Games or Harry Potter. Sure, my specialty is comic books. But, like, what do people want from an adaptation? And I think that that's, like, super important. Because The Suicide Squad just came out. And uh, I thought it's it was uh, wonderful uh that being said could you argue that like yeah a lot of those characters aren't the same as the ones in the comics but like you know anyway these are all things we got time to talk about we will talk about it you don't we don't have to answer all the questions right now but uh how have you uh uh you guys have been watching have you guys been watching titans since it came out mm-hmm. yeah more or less they brought it over to the uk quite early on like when it was airing yeah Okay. Um, what did you What did you think about the first two seasons? I remember, <laughs> but before the show even came out, I remember when we first got that little um, like teaser trailer thing, and the the only thing that I remember from that teaser is the moment where Nightwing beats up a bunch of people, or before he's Nightwing, back when he's still Robin, he beats up a bunch of people in an alleyway, and then just goes. Fuck Batman. And I thought, wow, yeah. this is going to be terrible. <laughs> this looks so, like, overly teen angst. I'm doing my own thing. I don't need my dad anymore. I'm going to go. Like, it It seems so... I don't even Forced? quite know the word. Yes. Forced? Yes. Heavy-handed, even? <laughs> yeah. 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 Once it started, I think... I warmed to it fairly quickly, partially probably because my expectations were so low. Um, <laughs> but I, th I think the, the kind of like moments of angstiness, I kind of forgave for the, um, like the, the kind of storylines that they were delving into or creating for the show, which I thought were actually really like interesting and not, ridiculously forced even though a couple of the lines every now and then <laughs> definitely were <laughs> i i have so i have so much to say about this but continue all right yeah I was, mean, was that it for, I, for, for me yeah so i also remember that that teaser trailer and interestingly enough that's all i remember from the teaser trailer I, there was probably more <laughs> 
But all I remember is, is Robin, like, in the alleyway, she's being like, fuck that, man. What the? And, then I, <laughs> and because I was just so offended by that line alone, I was like, what is, no, no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, I must be like, what were we like? Maybe three or four seasons into The Flash. I was already on thin ice with, like, DC TV shows yeah. in general. I was like, okay, yeah. this is, uh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't need another <laughs> one right now. So I just did, I didn't even watch uh, season one until about, no, I, I didn't even, I don't think I started watching it properly until season two came out. I watched like maybe one or two episodes and then I was like, yeah, no. Like I think the first episode, and I'm sure the first scene of the first episode is that alleyway scene as well. It's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> no, that's enough of me. Um, yeah. I saw Beast, Beast Boy and he wasn't transforming into various animals and Raven wasn't cool. I, I was nothing, like, especially because I grew up especially loving, if anything, if nothing else, the Teen Titans cartoon the original yeah and when teen titans go came out that i was already it's like why do they keep hurting the things that i love so I, I didn't need my titans love her any further so didn't watch it but then season two came out and i saw deathstroke was running around i was like okay wait what's going what's what's going on here <laughs> seems more interesting than than it had let on um, yeah and i watched i watched the first episode of season two without any context of how season one ended and then I, oh I, <laughs> I didn't know what to really process. Trigon was there, right. and then he wasn't, and then Deathstroke was there, and then he wasn't. And I was like, okay, that, that's that's enough. We said that I need to go back, go back, <laughs> and pick it all up again. And thankfully, because I kind of stuck with it, it's got an, an awkward start. But like two or three episodes in, and I'm like, oh, actually, it's a pretty mm-hmm. good show. There's some actors, recognizable actors. Aquaman from the Smallville show rocks back yep. up. I was like, ah, this is <laughs> yeah, this is nice actually. Yeah, you know what? It's a pretty good show. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was episode four of season one, which got me and my dad very on board with the show because that was the Doom Patrol episode. Yeah. 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 My dad loves the Doom Patrol. He always, before I knew anything about the Doom Patrol, he was like, oh, that's one of my favorite stories, the Doom Patrol. So, so cool. And then that episode happened and we were like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm listening. I'm interested. Was was he a big Grant Morrison fan? Was that what it is? Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it's it's a few people, but definitely definitely Grant Morrison is one of them. Okay. Him. Do <laughs> do do uh do British comic fans really rep the British creators? Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman, uh, etc. Yeah. Why am I, I blanking? Yeah. But you know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you. I feel like British comic book fans. I mean, I don't want to speak for the entirety of the UK, but because a lot of British creators... No, you have, you have, to, you have to speak for everybody. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> All of the UK. You uh, are the UK right now. I, oh, great, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to last very long. Um, I feel like because so many British cre- like comic book creators and comic book writers here, not a lot of them really wrote quite like consistently for like Marvel and DC... Like Neil Gaiman obviously did like a few, but he's most known for things like Sandman, um, where they do their own unique stories and stuff. And I feel like that's where a lot of British comic, like specifically British comic book fans, like really fell in love with comics outside of Absolutely. like I guess like cartoon series and stuff that probably got you know a slightly younger generation into comics. But in general, if I think of like the people that I knew who like read comics years and years before me, they're all the same. Like they're all like. Neil Gaiman stands and like Grant Morrison stands, but like they love all of that. So, so I think that might be it. Like we, mm-hmm. we knew of people like Neil Gaiman and Grant Morrison probably more as comic book creators 
with less mainstream appeal. So you, if you're a comic book fan, you love those guys. If you're a, sort of an everything fan, then yeah, you'll like Marvel, DC, and all that. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's it's interesting that like like you guys are really into the British uh, creators because uh, like my dad is from Sri Lanka uh, and Marvel and DC is not big in Sri Lanka, but what is is Tintin and Asterix. And <laughs> I, so I got his comics when I was a kid. I've read Tintin and Asterix before I even read like American comics living in America. And you guys are over there eating up all the British writers. But, like, I don't know. It's just all very confusing. Uh, my dad didn't grow up with uh, uh, American comics. He grew up with, like, European comics. Um, yeah. That's mean, neither the, here nor there. The comic book industry in, like, Europe in general, I noticed, like, goes way back. I talked to my friend recently who, like, she said she was telling me that she got, grew up on... Um, uh, asterisk like her, her dad like loved like the asterisk comics and stuff yeah um and i know i know for a fact that she used to love like things like tintin and it's, it's hilarious because she's french and she has a french accent she, i'm pretty sure she calls it she calls it tonton um oh, okay. i think that's what they call it i'm pretty sure that's what she calls i didn't it. know i'm fairly certain i think i've heard her say it a few times and i'm sure that i don't call her out for it because it's, it's like yeah. hard to keep um but i'm pretty sure like different countries kind of have their different specific comic books that they uh mm that they, they cling to. I feel like, mm. I feel like Tintin was probably more popular here than Asterisk's comics were. I could be wrong. Mm. I, I feel like I knew that, knew of Tintin more. Yeah, mm. definitely. And I will say as well, for, because my dad has said this quite a lot, that when he was younger and he was like, you know, oh, he's got 10p to go buy like five comic books or something, which is, <laughs> imagine. Um, <laughs> but whenever he would go, he said that it was like, it was a thing. There was like a day of the week or a day of the month that the American import comics would arrive on the shelves. Mm -hmm. So it was for the majority of the time, it was the stuff that's produced in the UK. That's just all that was there until once every now and then, bang, the American stuff. So you could only get yeah. them in like short periods of time. So I think that just naturally as well made it that growing up like for my dad growing up and then with the ones that he introduced me and my brothers to and everything it was all very british because mm. that's just all the ones that he had except for the weird american ones that actually had some <laughs> british influence anyway that was writers who went over to the states <laughs> yeah. um I, when when we talk about the broader like oh adaptation stuff uh i have some I have some uh, things to talk about Tintin. But um, when we're talking Titans here, I'm a big fan of the Teen Titans comics. Like, whether it's this run, which was the 70s. Uh, yeah, this is the 70s run. It's Disco Nightwing over here. I was going to say, uh, it's the long chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, look at that collar. Like, mm -hmm. Disco Nightwing is, is often talked about as his, like, worst costume. Because, like, who designed that costume? There's, like, an X in it. But there's also this weird, like, feather-looking goldish pattern, but it's not, and it's just. <laughs> I mean, to his credit, to his credit, it like it works a lot better than his original Robin costume. So you know, very good, true. At least very he's wearing true. pants. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but but in, in what he what he lacks in showing thigh, he now shows in chest. 
Yeah. And it looks like yeah. Starfinder kind of like modeled her look after him. It was just like, yeah, plunge. Just pure plunge down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, they're, yeah, they're, they're like, let's be that couple, you know? <laughs> like, just <laughs> plunging Vs. Just... <laughs> That's that's our I mean, aesthetic. Couples who dress alike, you know. Even Cyborg oh, there as well. He's oh got yeah, a chest yeah. Out too. It's a big chest yeah. out situation. <laughs> yeah. He's got more chest out than Donna, which is surprising for female comic characters oh, yeah. illustrated mm. back then. True. <laughs> yeah. For them to have less cleavage than the men. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, uh, but I, anyway, what was I? Uh, <laughs> Titans. <laughs> I'm I, okay. Talk, talking about adaptations, people want like. Some some people want like a one to one adaptation, which I think that they get when it comes to like DC animated movies, because like DC mm-hmm. animated movies tend to be like almost a one to one adaptation. Like Batman Long Halloween came out parts one and part two, uh, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen it yet, but like it looks like an almost like one to one adaptation. Um, mm-hmm. But like when it comes to live action, Marvel doesn't give us a one to one adaptation, like. Like, they change things. And that's why I say adaptation as opposed to, like, I don't know what else I could say. Like a live-action remake of a comic. Yeah, it's Mm. right, because they're not, right? Mm. Yeah. Then the question comes, like, what do we want from this? So so bringing it back to Titans, when we first saw that teaser trailer and there was that profanity, what are your guys' thoughts on profanity in our superhero-like stuff? Because... For Robin to say fuck Batman, I had to defend Robin or at least defend the show being like, I'm sure it makes more sense in context, but it did seem kind of like an edge lordy thing, like, fuck yeah. Batman, fuck dad, <laughs> yeah. fuck you, dad. Ah, yeah. Like, yeah. what do you do it? Like, why I mean, is the show? I feel like that line specifically, uh, and funny enough, in season three, they kind of called back that line with uh, with Jason saying, yep. fuck, fuck Joker. <laughs> Um, as a funny call, as a funny call, but he was the only one in the room. It was very awkward, right? Um, <laughs> but he, with that line, I feel like in context of the show, I kind of agree. Like his awkward relationship with with Batman, it's not really. It's very heavy handed. It's a father son relationship, and he's like, "Fuck you, dad." It was just the writing of that line specifically. It was almost like they wrote it specifically for the trailer. Like they needed yes. that that tagline because in the context yeah. of the show. Yeah, him him kind of having uh, an awkward relationship with Batman at the time made sense in the in like the narrative they were telling. But the line "fuck Batman" made no <laughs> sense in that in that. Na- First of all, he had knocked everyone out in the street already. So who was he saying that to? Uh-huh. <laughs> right, it, it, was just, it was a line delivered to. He might as well have winked at the camera. You know? I think right. that's one of the things, particularly with um, comic book adaptations, that sometimes just kind of like grates when I see it is that in comics, it's very, very easy for the illustrators to draw a character, they've beaten someone up, and then they say like a fun little quip. And it's fine, it's on a page, it makes sense. But when you translate that onto the screen, and it's literally just a person saying words out loud that no person would actually say out loud when no one is listening. And it's just like, I understand why you've done it, but no, that would 100% be internal. I just always find it weird when a character talks to themselves yeah. for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's that comic book thing where it's the internal dialogue, like, squares, where it's, yeah. you know, Peter Parker talking to himself, being like, you know, 
uh, MJ never did this to me. Like, whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just all his internal monologue stuff. Deadpool breaks the fourth wall, but, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. McFly Margot uh, uh, in the comments says, people are human, humans swear. Uh, Nobody never swears. There was a double negative there, so I had to read it and be like, oh, okay. Nobody (laughs) never swears. So everybody swears at some point. It makes it more realistic. Um, And so uh, uh, Margot is saying, hello, Dimitri. I see you. I'm reading. I (laughs) I see everybody in the chat. So I have so many browsers open. Margo's the French friend that says Tintin like Tom Tom. So I, yeah. I, I had a feeling she I had a feeling she heard it somehow. I could yeah. sense it. <laughs> she uh she wrote in the comments, no tea making fun of me. And so I was like, oh, I wonder with a name like Margot, everything yeah. is is clicking. Um uh basically uh profanity is real like that's why i like my parents are constant like they used to be they've been a little desensitized but like i watch a lot of tv and movies with my parents and they're sometimes they're like there's too much cussing in this and i'm like i'm like well sometimes i agree and then sometimes i'm like well i don't know they said fuck and like they meant it for a reason and like it Mm -hmm. is what it is yeah. Uh, if somebody, stu- nobody stubs their toe in real life and goes, ah, darn, darn, <laughs> darn my toe. Like it, it's not Ned, that's Ned Flanders, right? Uh-huh. Simpsons. <laughs> and like, nobody does, like when you're in war, you don't keep things like super clean. Right. So I feel yeah. like if you're mm. fighting to the death, why wouldn't you say fuck, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, was, that being I- said, Titans does make like, a lot of their choices for cussing, and I wrote it down. I wrote so many notes for the past three episodes. <laughs> their profanity makes no sense most of the time. It's it's like maybe five times the amount of profanity that I would consider natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that was that. a thing in the in the first yeah in the first episode of season three, where in one conversation, not not even conversation, in one like line that Dick says to Bruce. I think he said fuck about 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like every other word. Every, yeah. No other curse words either. They really like the word fuck for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is that yeah. other, sh- like, other shows and movies, depending on their age rating, like they don't need to like go as far as... So they'll, they'll, they'll say things like shit and like... Yeah. Stuff, mm. like, and if somehow shit always comes across a little softer than fuck, but... Somehow, yeah, in Titan specifically, <laughs> the word fuck, like that fucking jogger fucking killed that fucking guy. Like, <laughs> why are you overdoing it? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I have sometimes big... overuse it for effect, thinking that mm. it makes it seem more like like gritty and edgy when it does just look like an 11 year old's just heard a new curse word and they want to use it every chance they get to be cool. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's exactly what I think uh, uh, that, it, that it is. Um, I'm going to read some comments, but basically, um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I have a problem with the dialogue in this show. And, I mean, we'll get to specific instances, but I have a problem with the dialogue in this show. Very much so. And I wrote down notes, and even looking back on my notes, I'm like, I don't understand my notes now. Because the dialogue <laughs> made no sense. I don't even understand the, the purpose of this. Um, Mr. Plow, uh, what's up, Paul? Uh, Paul's in the comments. Paul says, it's not as endearing as uh, Robot Man from Doom Patrol. 
when when Robot Man cusses in Doom Patrol, it's endearing. In Titans, it's forced and it's weird. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Mar- Margot says British people swear a lot. Maybe they're British. I mean, Americans <laughs> swear a, swear a lot. Like no, to it's be not fair, just a British thing. To be fair, British people swear aggressively more than most. Like, I've, yeah. I've really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, really. <laughs> I, I even right now I know I'm consciously being like let's try don't swear in every sentence maybe like yep. and then thinking about <laughs> it I'm sure isn't the act, the actor that plays uh, Nightwing is he British I feel like he's, uh, he's Australian. Australian. Australian he's Australian, Australian yeah. I see yeah. what well, I feel like Australians probably swear more than British people do yes <laughs> the the, yes. the only the only thing that I know different about cussing there versus here is the c word which is really bad over here and I heard it's not as bad over there. I'm not saying it here, but what I'm trying to say is uh, we cuss a lot here. We just don't always take it to that level. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And are we, that, we, no, I think, I mean, again, I'd be correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the F word is like it, the Brit's favorite. It's like a default. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like it just, it just comes out just yeah. like, yeah. as easy as like damn would come out. It's like, fuck. like it's very yes. natural. But then even <laughs> then, I wouldn't. It, it wouldn't get into a sentence more than a few ta- like a few times, you know, like it, that, it yeah. come across as a natural kind of mm-hmm. response, I suppose. But they'll weave it in as if the scripts are said fuck, 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 back to back. It's as right. if they write a script and then they have like a number of times they have to say the F word <laughs> in an episode and they go back and just like drop them in wherever it's vaguely right. relevant. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that like people people view uh, uh, sex, violence, profanity as realistic, which it is. You can't create this world where Batman doesn't go down on Catwoman. He does. <laughs> he would. Why are we thinking he wouldn't? Let's take. Mm-hmm. Let's bring this back from a couple months ago. No, but like, like where we imagine our superheroes not having sex, I'm not like... It's not realistic to think that they're not having sex. That being said, let's not spend every waking moment of our day imagining Batman and Catwoman. I mean, you can if you want to. I'm just not on the live stream. <laughs> but, like, like, it's realistic to think that these people are human, so they cuss. And it's realistic mm-hmm. to think that, like, yeah, the bad guys in Gotham kill people, so there mm-hmm. is violence. And there's, there's all these things. But that being said, like, something that I, I've brought up before in the past is, like, Pooping is realistic, but we don't need to see Batman on the toilet to to understand that, like, he does poop. So we don't need fucks all the time. We don't need to see heads explode all the time. We don't need to see, like, just people randomly, like, fucking. Like, we don't need Mm -hmm. to see that to know that this world is realistic. And I think Titans takes it a step too far with, with, I guess, with with the profanity. I think that's its biggest biggest flaw yeah it's dialogue and profanity i think is they view it as realistic and they want to get it like in the show but because they think that's the thing that makes it realistic they overuse it so much to try and like hammer home this is realistic this is realistic but then they do it so much that it's no longer realistic yeah (laughs) it's just really counterintuitive and to be fair and even like i'm just thinking about the whole like different how different countries swear i don't Maybe it's because of the way how I'm just used to watching American television or the American movies. 
I feel like, especially with the word fuck, coming out of, like, a bunch of American people talking to each other, it feels even more unnatural than it would if I was watching, like, <laughs> Australians talking to each other. I don't think I would question it, actually, not yeah. thinking about it. But, like, especially coming out of these... Especially, and, like, Dick will be saying this in a conversation with, like, Gar and Jason, who are, like, what, supposed to be canonically 18? It was like something in the younger yeah. ages in the show. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> right, what? This doesn't feel right. Why? How does this <laughs> It hits the ear wrong. And yeah, I think it's a, um, a thing of that they really want the show to feel as grounded as possible. Well, I feel like that's DC's favourite thing, right? They want everything to feel as mm. grounded as possible. How would the real world react? Um, my thing with any DC movie, TV show, whatever, is like, I understand. You want to keep it grounded so it's relatable to the audience. But there's only like a certain level of like relatability you can go to with, like, an alien from another planet crashing into Earth and meeting, like, a, a, a demon child who's, like, the daughter of the devil. Who's, <laughs> like, the exactly. suspension of disbelief has to come in somewhere. Like, you're allowed to lean into it a little bit. Like, mm. and, I've, and you say the whole pooping thing. I, I don't think there's been an episode of Titans where, that like, we've just seen Batman take a shit. But then there's, there's <laughs> yeah. episodes of Titans where, like, Nightwing's having, like, an existential, like, a, a trip, and then he sees an image of Batman, like, dancing on stage, which is funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's weird that you you woven this nonsense in, but at the same time you're like, we're gonna keep it as grounded as possible. Like mm-hmm. everything's to be dark and realistic. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I feel yeah. like they they haven't quite found the right level of like line blurring. Just like like the um, mid ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Like, on the other side of it, I feel like you know the CW shows might go the complete upper, upper end of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think my basic thesis for this show, I mean, even before we talk about specifics, it's like, if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. And I understand both sides. I do think the show is written by high schoolers. I I just, I I feel that the show is written by high schoolers. Uh, That's my big, that's my big thesis about like this show is like the profanity, the like, the lack of consequences. I don't know, Terrell, you had a tweet recently about Titans, I think that I saw but I forget what it was about, but that's what like sparked my like, oh, I should have a Titans uh, talk. Um, oh, like, I remember. I remember what it was, yeah. What, what was it? it? But it, I think it was specifically about, uh, well, yeah, I guess we're about to talk about spoilers for the No, yeah, season. we can, we can um, yeah. So I think it was specifically the context of, so Bruce had just killed the Joker, we think, so mm. far, we're three episodes in, but I feel like that's the implication of the scene. That he had just yeah. killed the Joker, even though we know we're going into a under the Red Hood storyline, where the the concept of the whole thing was that Jason goes bad because Bruce won't kill the Joker. So yeah. it really kind of threw a whole a, a little <laughs> bit of a wrench. And I was like, wait, so what? Why is he being a dick? Like, I get he's a dick, but why is he being a dick? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was a little confused, and I think my tweet was somewhere the lines of like, wait, Bruce did what? And then I think I just did like a thread back to that, being like. Doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. Um, the decisions that are made in the show, I get, always give everything a benefit of the doubt. I'm like, maybe later down the line, we'll explain <clears> that there's something else wrong with Jason. But right now, I'm like, okay, cool. You made Batman kill the Joker to be edgy because it, that, that's a cool thing. And it, it caught me by surprise. I was barely paying attention to the first episode and he just like walked in with a crowbar. And I, had to give up a double <laughs> I was like, on my phone, I looked up and I was like, wait, is it Batman just killed the fucking Joker? Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Jumps up and to like all of a sudden start paying attention, um, mm. but yeah, that I would I don't mind them doing that because I find it interesting. But then now, apart knowing how Titans has gone the last couple of seasons, I'm like, 
I feel like they did that just to be edgy and didn't think about what the actual narrative like mm-hmm. was going to be and what makes sense. Because now I don't really, I don't fully understand Jason's motivation. I think that that actually that kind of um, links to one of my main like thoughts and like issues with season three at the moment because I'm I'm enjoying what we've seen so far, even though I, I definitely know it is far from perfect. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's a Titans TV show anymore. It feels like it's a show about the Bat family. Because yes. in, in the first episode, they introduced three important Batman characters. They introduced yeah. like Red Hood as a concept, Barbara Gordon and Tim Drake. They then after that introduced Scarecrow. The entire main plot of the season so far is Dick's relationship with Bruce, Dick's relationship with Barbara, Dick's relationship with Jason and Jason becoming the Red Hood. They're basing it on like four different Batman comic books. Yeah. The only Titans related story that we've got a glimpse of so far is whatever's happening with Starfire. And Gar and Connor have basically been sidelined in their own show. Yeah. (laughs) Like they feel like tertiary characters now. So whilst I'm enjoying what I'm seeing, it's not Titans anymore. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like the reason for that, I can, I, I, I agree. That's the first thing I thought. Even when I saw the trailer, I was like, all right, cool. This is going to be like a, the theme of this season is going to be very much about Nightwing and Jason mm. and the Batman. They even moved them all into Gotham for Literally, that. Literally, they moved to Gotham. Like, they're like, yeah, it's San Francisco. <laughs> Who needs it? Gotham. Exactly. Like, and I think that's because, like, I think the reason they did that genuinely is because the last season, though it wasn't specifically about, like, Dick or Jason, they were interwoven to the story it was very much about like uh their previous the previous relationship with Jericho, um, like Slade and his his daughter and all this and was it uh, Rose mm-hmm. and like Raven kind of coming into her own. So it was that season two for me felt like an actual Titans show because it was kind of about everyone interwoven into the same story. But the mm-hmm. best parts of that season I found were the Jason episode, like when Jason gets kidnapped by Slade and yeah. Nightwing, that that Dick becoming Nightwing, going to prison, taking responsibility for the team, being like the the mama bear of the team, uh, <laughs> him kind of him sort of battling how his old team used to be with like with like Aqualad and all those guys compared mm-hmm. to the new team. Like Dick felt like the driving force of that of the season, and that was good because you know when it's about everyone, you kind of need one person to at least like sink your teeth into properly while you whilst mm-hmm. you enjoy everything else. I feel like they saw that. They probably saw everyone else had the same thought. Like, yeah, Dick and Jason were like the most interesting parts. And, you know, the was more Bruce Wayne, uh, mm-hmm. even if it was mostly in Dick's head, was a lot more Batman themed stuff. And those were the best parts of last season for me. And then they were like, okay, cool. What if we just do that? Like, what if we just <laughs> go full Batman? It's like, well, then it's not a tight. It's, it, you might as well just name the show Nightwing because that's what it is now. Mm-hmm. It's it like is seasons one and two. Yeah. Season one and two were Nightwing and his friends, the Titans. Season yeah. three is Nightwing and his family, and also the Titans happen to be yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Even in the, the, the final episode, the, the final, the, the third, the most recent episode uh, with season three, like there's all these emotional conversations are happening, but they're like lying in like Alfred's bed in, <laughs> in Wayne Manor, exactly. making Alfred yeah. jokes and stuff. I'm like, and part of me was like, wait, when did Garfield and like and, and Hawk meet Alfred? When what what did I miss something? Uh-huh. How does everyone know Alfred all of a sudden? Uh, I think when I think Alfred Hawk die? I think yeah. Hawk <laughs> Alfred. You know? I think Hawk has met Elf. No. 
Yeah. I, I imagine Hawk might have met because he has an like a longer relationship with Dick. So I guess they cross yeah. paths. But like they they acting like they they were all a part of the Bat family. Like oh, I remember when Alfred used to get us a sandwich. Like it it was a very they were making jokes about him, you know, but mm-hmm. like as if they as if they were audience members reading the comics. Like right, you know, yeah. They just knew Alfred as intimately as the audience did. I was like, yeah, why? Why, like, of all the people, like, you know, Beast Boy and, and the Hawk just lying in the bed, <laughs> talking about, yeah. oh, Alfred. remember Alfred? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you don't. You never met yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> this was, like, a conversation between, like, Dick and Jason, or, like, Dick yes. and Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Well, literally, when um Dick, Bruce, and Barbara were having that conversation in the drawing room, yeah. that felt fine. All the references they were bringing up, talking about, oh, when Jason started cussing out the the Riddler or the Mad Hatter or something. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Because of course you would have been there. Of course you would have met those characters. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, why does Beast Boy know Alfred? Especially when because I rewatched a few episodes today from seasons one and two, the ones that like stood out the most. Yeah. And the entire way through it was constantly Gar going, so when do I get to meet Batman? When do I get to meet Alfred? Yeah. And now all of a sudden he just knows them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a problem with the writing. Uh, there, there definitely is. Uh, and and I think like my criticisms of Titans, I have to check against my own self to be like, am I criticizing the interpretation? Am I con- criticizing the adaptation? Or am I criticizing the uh, uh, the the what's the word? What am I looking for? The uh, the blank of the ad- adaptation. The uh, like the, the presentation. Yeah, yeah, like the presentation, like, am I, or, or, I don't know what Terrell said, but. No, I thought you meant, like, sort of just the lack thereof of an adaptation, like, it was just. It, yeah, but, deal, like, like just the, the way they're doing it. Am I, am I, mm-hmm. the way they're doing it, which I think is valid to criticize, like, uh, yeah. open the criticism, but, or criticizing, like, the adaptation, like, if they were, like, let's just make an adaptation of Titans where they're all kangaroos, I can be, like, <laughs> this isn't for me, it may be a little bit fun, but, like. Yeah okay, I guess that's the direction you want to go in. Can I actually criticize that adaptation? Uh, yeah. Or if it was like, they're going to do all kangaroos, but one of them is a platypus. I'm like, you told me this whole thing was kangaroos <laughs> and now yeah. it's platypus. Is it a, just a general, like, like uh, Australian kind of motif? Because <laughs> then we can include koalas, but like, you guys specifically say fuck koalas. Why are you saying fuck koalas? You know, like... Like so, it doesn't 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 make sense. The 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 application the the yeah. of of the mm-hmm. of the the adaptation. But um, so so here's a question, uh, because we brought up Bruce and since season two or season one and two, you know, it's it's like they cast an they cast an older actor for Bruce. Bruce has yeah. been Batman for a long time. He's older now. Uh, we saw mostly like flashbacks or dream sequences in the first couple seasons. I think this yeah. might be the first time we're actually like seeing him. Um, uh, so there, I, I want to talk about that, and then I also want to talk about in these episodes the 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 fact that like they gave Bruce major flaws, like yeah, major like psychopathic, mm. sociopathic. <laughs> flaws where batman cannot be a hero given those flaws like yeah and i think that's a valid in- adaptation interpretation of the source material it's like mm-hmm. i can't criticize that 
Um, but how do you guys feel about Bruce? So, okay. With, sorry. Uh, with Bruce, I have a very specific interpretation of, of Bruce, um, and I can liken it to, other, to another character as well. With Bruce, I feel like I personally am fine with the, giving him flaws. Like I said, when they came out, which is him all of a sudden killing the Joker, and even before beforehand, uh, seasons one and two, like he must have been a specific kind of like insane, like deranged for for the entire Bat family to like fully resent him, for like Barbara to hate him, Dick to hate him, Jay- like, Jason that's not necessarily hating him, but like almost reluctantly looking up to him because he's got no one else. Um, mm. Like that toxicity, I'm like, okay, if, we, if we're going for the more realistic approach, the reason they hate him has to come from a real, he can't just be a good person and they just, they just turn out fucked up just because. Um, so them in this season, almost implying that he genuinely has like real mental health issues that other, I guess, pieces of Batman media imply, like you can always feel like Ben Affleck's uh, Batman and uh, Christian Bale's, and even Michael Keaton's have like you know some psych- level of psychological issue or whatever. This show is just like we'll, we'll look into that properly and like actually almost villainize uh, that, yeah. that side of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that interesting, especially like they're not they're clearly they're not just like doing it for the sake of doing it. I feel like there is story reasons, and if, if anything, it's to make. Uh, Dick feel more, more, more like a hero by comparison so mm. that you know don't follow this, the sins of the father uh, sort of a thing um, my I guess my gripe with it is that I don't feel like there's been much of a Batman in media and I think there's about other characters as well in media that do properly reflect Batman's very specific mental state uh, that the comics do because I think the comics kind of blur the lines of like okay Batman does clearly like you can't go through what Batman has gone through and your mental state just be intact he does genuinely mm-hmm. have have a problem and, and certain comic stories kind of lean on that and they lean on the idea of him being just as crazy as the Joker but through a different lens um, mm-hmm. but with the, the way the show's doing it I feel like sometimes they can lean a little too heavy into it it's like we're not really exploring his mental state but they're kind of using it to springboard off for other characters mm. and sometimes that's that like it, it worries me when they do stuff like that because like you have a chance to maybe get real intimate with the mental state of bruce wayne but and i get it's a titan show so not, they're not going to go fully but like but they eh, i don't know they're like they're, they're leaning on it for for, for drama for drama's sake rather than yeah, mm-hmm. to tell a, an interesting story but then i don't i yeah. personally i get people not liking the idea of villainizing bruce wayne i think if it works for the narrative that you're telling then like i'm all for it like i say like i can say these things but i know there are more episodes left i feel like they're gonna delve more into it later down the line i hope it's mm. not just for other characters to spring ward off but for what them doing it uh as a concept i don't mind i didn't mind when they kind of did a similar thing with luke skywalker in mm-hmm. uh, the last jedi i know that's like a, a, a touchy subject for the star wars community <laughs> <laughs> Luke throwing away his lightsaber and all that and him kind of becoming a hermit. And I was like, that's not Luke, that's not the original that we knew. <laughs> yeah. That changes like that and adaptations like that mm. to fit the narrative and to be kind of honest to the character. I like I like giving any character a flaw. Mm. Um, it makes them feel more relatable. I think Bruce, in terms of the oh, sorry, ahead, um ahead. in terms of the like live action versions of Batman that we have seen, it's kind of interesting when you look at them over time because they did 
gradually one by one get darker and darker with every new iteration. Like you start out with the 60s Adam West and it was full on bright, campy comic book. Nothing really matters. It's all silly fun. And then you get to the like 70s, 80s ones. You start delving into the like Tim Burton ones and the unspeakable Clooney ones. And they they still touch on the like wackiness of the older ones but it's all of a sudden with a much darker color palette and then you get even further forward and you get like the dark knight trilogy where it's it's not just the color palette is very very dark but so is the tone and so are the Mm -hmm. characters and so are the storylines then you get um ben affleck which is bringing that kind of version of batman into a world where he's interacting with other dark versions of superheroes in that universe. Mm. And it felt like considering that progression, this kind of super dark, twisted version of Batman, especially considering some of the comic stories that they're touching on, like The Killing Joke, they reference that that did happen with the whole thing of um, the Joker shooting Barbara and that thing yeah, in the yeah. wheelchair and everything. The the whole thing in the killing joke that the Joker is saying is, you know, all it takes is one bad day and you could turn into me. You're just as yeah. bad as me. Yeah. And when, right. when you look at like the progression of Batman adaptations on the screen and combine it with the material that they're referencing from, it makes sense. But as you say, because they're treating it as a they're treating him as a tertiary character but using the consequences of his like trauma and his mental state and his all, all the stuff that he's doing and like the, the darkness of his storyline, they're using it as a primary plot point, which just yeah. kind of like disconnects a little yeah. bit about yeah. how, how important it's supposed to be within this world. Yeah. Right. Especially in the sense where he, you know, in this in season three and season two, he's kind of there for like an episode and it's like, okay, these are the things that I've done deal with it <laughs> they, they they don't pay me enough to be in every episode so i'm out <laughs> <laughs> right um my, my my biggest thing is like i love batman i love the father family aspect of batman because i love the bat family mm-hmm. and we haven't gotten a actual good bat family ever live action like the the closest mm-hmm. is is like like animated stuff right animated stuff yeah. has the bat family all the time and yeah. this this could have been the the place where we can have jason todd and barbara and dick and batman be in the same room together and yeah. be a family and we're not going that route why mm-hmm. because we think that realism is darkness and darkness is abuse and yeah. toxicity mm-hmm. and that's why like we're taking that like that Birds of Prey doesn't count, Paul. Paul's in the comments asking if birds... Oh, Birds of Prey. Which Birds of Prey? I thought you were talking about the old TV show. The old TV show doesn't count. Technically, the closest we get to a Bat Family is the live-action Birds of Prey movie, which I'm re-watching because I actually love that movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 I'm re-watching with my mom because uh, I was like, this might be a good one my mom might like. Um, anyway, the point being is, we finally get the, we can have the four of them in the room, but no, we're choosing the, uh, the, the weird wackadoo, like, oh, he, like, all their, all his Robins are expendable. Like, it's this, they talk about that. Like, he already has files on the next upcoming Robin and Jason's just been dead for like two days. 
Mm -hmm. uh, like, I mean, which is, I, I think that was cool. Yeah. That's the interpretation I want to go with. That part is cool. But, but like, I mean, I wish that wasn't <laughs> the interpretation. I can't yeah. argue with that. Yeah. I mean, with like you're, you're saying, the, the animated ones are some of the, the best versions of that. I remember, I, I think there was an episode of Young Justice in season two. And one of my absolute favorite moments from the show is just this one little scene where we get to see Batman, Tim Drake Robin, Nightwing, and Batgirl all just on a mission, fighting some bad guys in a warehouse. Right, yeah. And then they get a call from the team, they finish the job, and then they go back to the cave. And I was like, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. It was just a really, really cool thing to actually see them cooperating <laughs> in in a like moving yeah. storyline as yeah. opposed right. What's to wrong? after all of that, once they now hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's what's wrong with a family that loves each other? Like this families aren't perfect, right? Families aren't perfect. Batman can be a single father raising these kids. Some of these mm -hmm. kids are in love with the other kids. Dick and Bob, <laughs> you know, like, okay, fine. That's kind of like, okay, it throws a wrench in the whole perfect family plan. But that being, and like Jason dies and that throws a wrench in that. And they're also superheroes. But like Superman isn't the only character that can have a loving family. Like why uh -huh. can't yeah. Bruce have a loving family? Because <laughs> truth be told, like Bruce had Alfred and Leslie Tompkins and Commissioner Gordon growing up, depending on their interpretation. Um, but like he doesn't have to be a psychopath. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, and I think I mean, this is the. Oh, sorry, I know. I just mean, with, <laughs> I mean, mental state of characters. I feel like I, I am always a bit like, oh, touchy with. Like even like you know, Marvel's not innocent of it. Like One Division, I I liked their interpretation. I still am like, hey, be careful. Like don't. I don't like the idea of villainizing characters or immediately seeing okay, a character has a damaged mental state. They are the most damaged mental state that could possibly be. They're a psychopath. They're mass murderers. They're the enemy. We need to stop them and. You know, the narrative of like having a mental trauma is that means you're bad and you can't be fixed. Right. Um, and with Batman specifically and you the Bat family, they take the idea of, yeah, to do what they do, they have to have a all of them have to have some sort of come from a dark place, they're mentally damaged. Sure, realistic. But like you say, I feel like it's it's just as realistic for them to be a united family in spite of that. Like, it's yeah. all the shit that they've gone through, everything they've gone through. If anything, their, their family bond, how I've always interpreted it, is that their family bond, um, and probably none more, more so apparent than their bond with, like, Alfred, is what grounds all of them, is where, like, at least, like, no matter how dark things get and how, like, messed up things get, they can just come back to the cave and Alfred's just there with, like, a cup of tea and just like, okay, yeah, let's, let's go stitch up those wounds and you're okay, go right. upstairs for mm -hmm. dinner. It's all good. Like, everything's okay <laughs> once they're back in the house, you know? Mm -hmm. Even if they have issues with each other, so right, cool. Wayne Man is big. You go to the other end of it, it's a few miles away. You, you're fine. <laughs> um, so I, I sometimes I think they take the idea of Batman's mental state and use it as just a way to color the story. Like, oh, this mm. is interesting. Batman's like damaged. It's one interesting look into his mind. I think there's a way of looking into someone's mental state positively, rather than mm -hmm. just being like it's dark and dangerous and gloomy and everything's <laughs> terrible and we need to die. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, okay, they're, they're damaged. But what are they in spite of their mental state? Like, who are yeah. they regardless? And right. even with the I, whole, like, family thing of, like, for, for some reason, every character except for Superman has to have, like, damaged familial relationships. Even in Titans, it's not just the Bat family that are guilty 
like the, the writing of the Bat family that are guilty of this because Starfire, the only family member that she has is her evil sister. Yeah. Gar had a found family with the Doom Patrol, but his father figure of Dr. Calder is actually a manipulative, abusive arsehole. Yeah. Rachel has a demon father, an adoptive mother who she loved growing up, but then her adoptive mother turned out to actually be evil and working for her demon stepdad. And her, like, just let someone be happy for once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can say, you can say that, you can say, I probably are. They, they do all of this stuff in reflection of the main type. Like, I think they're, they're trying to make us just fully accepts the idea that the younger titans especially so like connor gar um raven and all those guys they're the family they are the found family like they all have individual like messed up family relationships like you said but and that's that's what brings them closer together i don't think they've done that very well like i don't mm-hmm. a lot of their relationships i don't believe all of a sudden like beast boy and connor like are like best buds i like the idea of it i don't see how that when where that <laughs> from all of it. like well, it's an mm-hmm. interesting choice of best friends is it because jason's think, gone and god is i think they just new- realized they they just realized like oh god cyborg's not in this show beast boy doesn't have his usual best buddy um yeah, yeah. here's superboy for you have fun yeah <laughs> yeah and then even before superboy they tried it with like jason and like jason mm-hmm. quickly turned out to be an arsehole as well like, <laughs> yeah. none, of, none of them really seem like they like each other even like the closest i guess relationship that they have in the show that i could see is like garfield and raven but like raven doesn't even really seem to like him that much like, they kind of just seem <laughs> yeah. like acquaintances like where's yeah. raven even been like oh i'm gonna go deal with some stuff in demoscara just code yeah. for uh they don't want to pay me for the first three episodes of this show so right. i'm gonna come back in the yeah. cameo later <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, right the family bonds and their relationships i don't think they've sown naturally yet they they're, they're trying to make all of their other family relationships seem so bad that we're just accepting of this new United family. Right. Mm-hmm. Even the though the Titans have disbanded bad. like five times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the, in the course of the show, they've literally disbanded and come back together like five times. Even yeah. though this is supposed to be there, we're all bonding together despite our horrible backgrounds. Yeah. Are you? Because you all fuck off every five minutes. Yeah. Right. Know it. Like, that's why I, I found like, <laughs> no, I think it... Hank's, I mean, we talk about this later because like, I'm still quite touched about it, but like Hank's scene with uh, saying goodbye to everybody or whatever, having his little moments with people. His scene with Garfield was so sweet. I really liked it. This yes. is but all of a sudden, it, it hit me. I was like, when the hell did they even talk to each other? Where did that come? This is a very well done scene and I really credit it to the actors because I was like, this mm-hmm. was very cute. This is very wholesome. I was like, yeah. wait, when were you even friends? Did you have a scene together? <laughs> like, did I miss something? Did mm-hmm. some, some somewhere along the line they just they were just like yeah these guys have loved each other the whole time it's like no whenever Hank is on screen yeah. he's arguing with his wife that's it that's his whole thing <laughs> yeah. or 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 like sizing up against Dick right yeah yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Hank, Hank in my mind I was like cool Hank like the in terms of Ninja Turtles he's like the Raphael of the team like he's just yes. there to kind of right. the, the aggressive guy that like I'm the leader when I want to be sometimes mm-hmm. like he's the yeah, shit Sarah yeah <laughs> he is he's the shit Sarah. Yeah, he's there to just cause an issue. Even when he like went off to Jason, I was like, classic Hank. Like, just, he's there that was so dumb. That was so dumb. It was so bad. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't. He just had a whole rant to dawn about, oh, like I'll like, kill him. Can't trust I'll kill him. him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll happen. kill him on my bare hands. Oh, yeah. did you need help? I'll come and help you. Oh, but then oh, 
Like, you want me to get naked and swim through a pool? I guess. <laughs> you yeah. idiot. The writing, on, the writing is bad in this show. And I don't know how, like, there are times where I'm like, I can accept it. But a lot of the time I'm like, what, what just happened? Like, I feel like they have a goal. They were like, I want Hank to die. That's my yeah. goal. Let me just write some, like, or like outsource. Am I outsourcing this writing to the, like, the least, like, most qualified person on the, on the writing team? Like, I don't mm. know how they're, like, and, and, like, this person is like, I'm just an intern. I go to high school. Like, and they're <laughs> like, no, you know what it's like to have real human relations. You're in high school. And, like, <laughs> get this, like, intern to write it. It, it. Some of it just doesn't make uh, sense. And there's, a like, a lack of consequences that people have pointed out. Like, is Dick Grayson still on the run from breaking out of prison? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Why did Donna die just by electrocution? Now they're trying uh -huh. to bring her back. Donna is on the promotional material for this season. So I'm assuming there's going to be a constant resurrection theme throughout mm -hmm. this throughout this season. So I I would... What's that? <laughs> Good luck with Hank. Collecting yeah, pieces. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Jigsaw puzzle. Uh, I mean, Hank probably, I mean, Hawk and Dove should have been written off the show a while ago. I don't think they serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't blame any of the actors. I like all of the actors. But yeah. I think yeah. that there, there's something about the writing of the show. Why is Beast Boy punching and kicking and flipping yeah. people? In Why is he still just a season? <laughs> Beast Boy yes, is the yeah. biggest, like, I say this with like every, and take it in every single contest you can think of. Beast Boy is everything that the CW have done with the Arrowverse just molded into one character. He is what, yes. the, what the plot needs him to be. All of a sudden, I know martial arts, like every other character on Team Arrow just suddenly <laughs> yeah. like being kung fu uh -huh. experts fighting like... Or well, he's suddenly a, a science genius and he's a, yeah. he knows exactly what needs to be done to fix this person's wound and yeah. to yeah. build this thing. How? He's You're whatever. a child. And then uh -huh. the thing is, like, if, if he is that, if he's the, now he knows martial arts, I've seen maybe two scenes of him and like Jason having a sparring match. When did he all of a sudden now become like a martial arts? It's in between season. He's an expert uh -huh. of martial arts now. Like, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's, what even, what's even the point of me caring that he can't turn into a, uh, a tiger or a bird or anything anymore? Because oh, mm -hmm. now I know he knows martial arts and he's on the same team as Nightwing. So he might as well just keep doing that. Be a, just and become a Robin. Like it's ironic, he's whatever the plot needs him to be, except with his powers, which are literally being whatever the plot needs him to be. Yeah. His right. whole power is being whatever animal best suits the situation. Yeah, and they right. took that part out, but said, you can be anything else at all, just not another animal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I used to think that was because maybe they were trying to save money on budget, or maybe they knew that CG wasn't going to be good. But then they made Crypto a main character of the show. Like, he's always there. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. He's a real dog in certain scenes, but like, that's not a real dog flying around. So you have the ability right. to do, like, animals doing weird shit. So why not just uh -huh. make Beast Boy do weird shit? I think they right. just couldn't be asked to build a new, like, animal render model. They, they yeah. had a tiger, they painted it green and said, that'll do. Yeah. Like, I'm not asking <laughs> for it to turn to a T-Rex every two seconds, like in the cartoon, right? You know? Uh-huh. A bird to right. get out of position, a bee to get out of a stranglehold, you know? Like, uh -huh. logical moves. That <laughs> like, he was a right. snake once, and that was it. 
That's the only yeah. other See, thing I don't we even have remember. ever seen him be for five seconds. I don't seconds. even remember him being a snake. Like, I just know that, like, it's this. these past couple seasons have been a constant letdown. By the way, if I'm sounding super negative, I'm sorry. But, I mean, I am kind of negative about this show. Um, <laughs> I, I needed you guys to balance me out a little bit. But um, uh, each season is... Is Robin going to be Nightwing? Is Robin going to be Nightwing? He's almost Nightwing. I think he's figured out he's Nightwing. Nope, he's not Nightwing. He's still Robin. He's not Robin. He's got the suit, he's, but he doesn't call himself yeah. Nightwing. But then he's like, uh, but, and then finally now he's Ro- he's Nightwing. Okay, great. Three seasons and like whatever. Now Beast Boy, is he going to be green? Oh, he just has <laughs> a hair, like a hair dye job. Like, gr- cool. Like, yeah. now he's like, is he going to turn into animals? Now he's just a tiger. Is he going to turn into anything else? Then they operate on his brain. Is that going to finally <laughs> unlock his abilities? No, that's not. Why did we go through that then? Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah. Then there's I- I Raven. Is she the demon? <laughs> when is she going to have her powers? Is she going to come out with her power? Is she going to be, oh, oh, no? Okay. And it's like every character, <laughs> it's like that. Why? I, yeah. I literally watched the episode today where... Um, Gar gets taken by Cadmus and he has like the surgery on his brain and everything and they literally had um, Mercy Graves say to him we can help you unlock your full potential we can help you be more than what you just know that you are which when you're talking to Beast Boy someone who very annoyingly is only turning into one thing despite it being he's supposed to turn into a bunch that's very clearly hinting we can help you turn into more than just a tiger and literally all they did was put like a kill switch in his brain so he can attack his mates. Yeah. That, as a how tiger, is that his full only. potential? As a tiger, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> you can probably kill your mates way more effectively as like, like a raptor <laughs> or like a, a rhinoceros or mm-hmm. like a brown bear or any <laughs> any of the other vicious animals, but you choose a tiger. I specifically have the tiger fight at a circus because where else, where else is he going to have a tiger my uh-huh. final battle scene, right? Like, <laughs> like, make sure it's like right there, right next to a Ferris wheel, just to like really create mm-hmm. the whole, get the, the full imagery. Right. Mm. Well, Cadmus didn't really do their job very well. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's literally like having, that's like, that's like if they were to have a Superman, they were like, kill your friends, but we're only going to let you use heat vision, nothing else though. Like, yeah. Your, your skin's really <laughs> what, what's the point right. of this? Uh, well, I mean, they do constantly do that with Superman. They're, they're like, you know what would be cool? Heat vision. So just fly and you use heat vision. Superman oh, does that a lot in his in his adaptations. Where it's I just mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't mind it. With, with like Smallville, as I say, it always depends on like the adaptation and what the narrative they're trying to tell. Like, right. I never mm-hmm. really minded Smallville with like Clark not having his full powers because the point of it was like, like season by season, he gets pieces of it. And like that yeah. wasn't really the main plot. The main plot was everything else. Like that was just like the nerds were kind of getting little pieces of Superman as we went right. along. And I was like, I don't mind. That's like a little treasure hunt. I was just like, oh, cool. Heat vision, <laughs> check. He's a hearing check. Like, nice. So I was, we're going yeah, and Easter egg treasure hunts are your thing, aren't they? Yeah. So like, <laughs> little, right up watching that right. show 10 years ago, I was like, oh, actually, I wonder if I can make a, a life out of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like, it, it it made sense in the narrative of, of what that show was telling. But like, if the Titans show is trying to tell the idea of Beast Boy gradually getting something season by season, there are a lot of animals in the world. I don't know if just a tiger and a snake is going to cut it in terms of the narrative that you're telling. <laughs> right, right. Um, with with this season, uh, 
I, I just I, does anyone can does anyone remember this line? I wrote it down. Better be a chalupa. It made no yes. sense in the context, and I was like, <laughs> "This is forced dialogue written by a high schooler." Like, mm-hmm. was it something like? Was it? I hate? don't actually know what that is. Wait, what? You don't know what a chalupa is? No. Neither do I. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> oh, that's only why I don't remember the line. I just I was like, "Okay, she's able." You guys heard? <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, when I say I crazy, it and I was I'm like, not. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> A chalupa is a is a food item from Taco Bell. So like, uh, like it makes sense uh, that you guys you guys don't know that. Um, yeah, we have like five Taco Bells in the entirety of the UK, and they're there. Oh, yeah, they're on like a years ago. Yeah, we only just got Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. That's I went fair. there once, got a taco, and left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a chalupa. A chalupa is like a fried bread, uh, like a fried bread taco type thing. Right. You know. Okay. Um, I mean, it's good. It's tasty. Whatever. But the point being is. Like in a scene, there were like something like uh, they were saying something, and then like maybe Hank was like, because they give like the witty one liners to Hank, and they're not witty one liners, they're horrible. He's like, better be a chalupa. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, there's a lot of dialogue. Like, Hank is not funny to me. I love the actor, but yeah. like, most of his dialogue doesn't add anything, and it's just to be like, let's fill up the time we're making him like snarky but like it it is it's it's not good it's just not good mm-hmm. also um, there was one fight scene in episode two two yeah uh, with with hawk and dove and the two of them were fighting two different people on the same um little like railing stretch thing and they oh, were okay. having a little like rally of quips with the person yeah. that they were fighting but it kept on switching between the two and yeah. no matter whether you think of them as two separate conversations that they're having with the person they're fighting or as one thing that they're saying together, I could not for the life of me figure out what the fuck they meant. Right. <laughs> I had no idea what they were saying. Yeah, I remember that fight words, scene. But yeah. none of the meaning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Paul Lau is, is shit-talking chalupas in the comment, and Margot, <laughs> l- let me, l- Margot, don't listen to Paul, first thing. Paul is saying, <laughs> Paul is saying uh, chalupas hurt and are relentless on your digestive system. No, Paul just has a weak stomach. Um, <laughs> Margot, Margot says, okay, noted, I'm never having it. No, everybody should try a chalupa once and see if you like it. I love chalupas, Okay. So I am, I am a top, if I could have this show sponsored by Taco Bell, I would. I love Taco <laughs> Bell. There, if there's something you must know about me, uh, Paul, don't talk about my body parts like that. Paul, leave, leave it alone. Um, it's Paul's an interesting comment creating, section. Yeah, Paul's creating havoc in the comments. Anyway, the point being is I love Taco Bell. Let's move on. Um, uh, yeah, Hank's, Hank's, uh, uh, Hank's dialogue is so forced. Um, and, okay, well, I mean, let's talk about his his death. Do you guys like that convoluted plot point? Just, like, the whole, like, like randomly there's an experimental bomb in his chest that, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't, it doesn't look like it's in his chest. It looks like it's uh-huh. a sticker that it's was like placed outside. Yeah. yeah. It was really weird how they set it up as well because they had this whole like sequence of scenes of Hank going there and getting the calls from Jason and blah blah blah. Yeah. And then immediately after seeing Hank 
get put in a chokehold by Jason. It then cuts back to the cave. The team are like, oh, where's Hank? How are we going to find him? And then he just appears. It's like, yeah. how did you get yeah. that With that the quickly? thing in his chest. What? What? Yeah. yeah. And also, how did Jason know how to insert it? Since when is he yeah. also a, a surgeon as well yeah. as a chemist, apparently? Now? Also, did, <laughs> did he... Did Jason easily... Because I know Hank was naked and sure he was like soaking wet, but Hank's not a slouch in a fight. Like I feel like it was that wasn't an easier fight as the show made <laughs> yeah. it out to be. Jason's not the best. Like he loses uh, a lot just as much as Hank does. So Jason like, yeah, sucks. Jason <laughs> sucks, dude. Yeah. Like so I thought you know, when Hank went over, like, it was like, yeah, I'm gonna go after Jason. Not at no point did I think Hank was gonna die. I was like, hey, uh-huh. yeah, Hank, you know, Hank, yeah. I like he's gonna be dumb, he's gonna get hurt, something he's gonna make a mistake. I was like, yeah, yeah, but I might see Hank beat the shit out of Jason. So I'm fine with that. I'm cool. I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Hank. You're gonna be dumb, <laughs> but go for it. But it, like, it was weird. Uh, no, sorry, was really just... weird. It's like Hank gets out of the pool. Suddenly, Jason has a gun, and he just goes, "Unk," and Hank goes, like, <laughs> "Yeah." And like I, I, I said to you, Dimitri, before, I as much as I love Curran Walters, and I think he is doing as good a job as he can do. I'm finding it so hard to see Jason at all threatening. Because because it's specifically that moment where he's first, like, it's revealed who he is, Mm. where he's got, like, the voice modulator in the the helmet, so he's talking down here and his voice is all deep and and muffled. And then he gets the crack in the the helmet and his voice goes from down here to up here and it's Jason again. But he's still talking in the same, like, oh, I'm going to kill you way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he still just feels like a annoying, bratty teenager who's lashing out at dad because, oh, I didn't get the birthday present I wanted or something. Yeah. Right. Like, l- wait, like Dudley Dursley? Is that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last yeah. year, I had 32 presents. <laughs> 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 I only count 31. Um, <laughs> Jason, I hate him. He's a little shit. And honestly, yeah. I can't. Uh, was it Terrell that said he needs to just die at the end of the season? Because, like, I yeah. can't. Yeah, there's no does. There's no way I can see this turning out well. No, there's mm-hmm. no redemption. But the problem is, like, I'm scared. Because of the, how they were trying to tell the, the plot of that specific episode, I felt like the story they were trying to tell is, like, revenge. Like, don't choose revenge. Clearly, it's, it's a mistake. Like, don't murder. Don't kill our, our revenge obviously that's what batman did and now he's like, fucked up and now that's what dawn tried to do and actually it caused hank to die so like, okay cool so the theme we're telling here is revenge is bad and an eye for an eye blah 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 like, mm-hmm. okay cool yes true but also jason just blew up your friend like <laughs> at some point yeah, that that philosophy goes out of the window right. <laughs> like, of right. course, and, and i'm scared that one step further i'm scared they're gonna just redeem him Classic, and uh-huh. I think that's a classic CW style thing to do. And I keep calling it CW style things. I find it weird that this is not a CW show that feels <laughs> yeah. so much like one. Um, right. One thing I think is uh, sorry. I was just gonna say one thing that I think is kind of weird, and I don't quite know why they're doing it yet. But they've been making a point of changing Red Hood from being an anti-hero to just a straight-up villain. Because, like, you know the the like iconic um, Red Hood entrance scene from the comic, from the animated film, and they did it in the show of the meeting of the mob bosses of Gotham, drops the duffel bag on the table, it's the heads of all their second in commands, and then he comes down and he makes his demands. Yeah. In 
the comic and in the um, animated film version. He says the same thing of, you know, oh, I'm in charge now. I've, I'm going to sort out Batman. Don't worry about any of the masks. 40% um, of your profits go to me. But in the original, he all, they, they make a point of having him say, um, but I've got a couple conditions. No dealing to children. If I see any of you near a school, you'll, like, you'll be on my bad side. But they, that, that's a thing that they mm -hmm. really intentionally made a point of having. But then in this version, they took it out and they straight up made it just, no, I'm the like head mob boss of Gotham. Continue doing all of the crooked evil shit that you do. Only difference is now I get a cut of it too. And it's like, right. I, I don't quite get why they just turned him from being a rebellious superhero with like good intentions, but not the best methods mm -hmm. from just like to now just a straight up villain. Yeah. Right. I don't I mean, quite get it yet. Yeah, and I feel like that's what I so I thought the same thing. And context-wise, because you know, Dick, Jason wasn't there for too long until all of a sudden he got the crowbar to the face. Like mm -hmm. the only thing we had to go off of was his his phone conversation with Batman. But Batman very politely was like, "Okay, cool, good job. <laughs> we'll deal with it in the morning because I'm not there, and this is the yeah. freaking Joker." Like. I, I get it. His impatient is like, "Okay, we're not gonna get a chance at Joker again. We need to do something." He could. He has a lot of other superhero friends he could have called. Just saying. Batman's on mm -hmm. a plane. I'm sure someone else could get there relatively. Superboy, I'm sure, is a phone call away. He's very fast. Um, but no, yeah. Um, but then he was like, oh, Batman won't let me go out because he thinks that I'm scared. And he has a little flashback of him and, and the, the Deathstroke scene. And mm -hmm. I, 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 I kind of liked the Deathstroke scene. I, I wanted that to impact him going forward. I didn't want that to be forgotten. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So there's this thing that, like, he's being the Red Hood because he wants to prove that he's not scared of things. Mm. It's a it's an extreme <laughs> leap in logic. Like again, yeah. the comic book version and the animated version is that he's he's pissed off at Batman for not getting revenge. Like you need to exactly. cross your line. There are there are there are times where you need to cross the line. But this show is mm -hmm. kind of being like, look at all the bad consequences of crossing the line. Back we've made Batman cross the line. <laughs> we've made Dawn cross the line. Blah blah blah. I'm like, all right, so what's what plot are you trying are you trying to tell why is he evil what what made him this mm -hmm. way I, the only right. thing like loose end i think there is the the drug thing all of a sudden yeah. he loves he mm. loves science and chemicals and he created the drug <laughs> yeah. it has to do with scarecrow i'm i'm like yeah. if we're talking if we're talking plot and everything there has to be a mind control angle from this yeah but i just don't see how it's not gonna be lame because if it yeah. goes we go through the whole season then scarecrow's like yeah I've just been mind controlling him. Then it's like, well, then what did this last part of the season matter? Yeah. It's, it exactly. takes all the, all the, all the, you know, uh, uh, the responsibility from Jason. So then like, I'm like, I don't know. It, there's no way Jason should live, but then also like, no, like the mind, like, I don't know. There's like, I don't know. I, I do I, like I the scarecrow it. though, by the way. Yes. I do. I, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the I do like so this interpretation. Yeah. 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 Also, I like I like this idea of Scarecrow being like, "Hey, brother, how's it going, brother? You got some <laughs> weed, brother?" Like, it's just a weird. I'm I'm cool with that interpretation. It's not Scarecrow I remember, but I'm yeah. fine with that interpretation just because yeah. mm -hmm. I think it's. Different. To be fair, Scarecrow's a character. I mean, a lot of the um, Batman's rogue gallery. You know, like if you're trying to go for a grounded approach, Scarecrow, a guy running around in a Scarecrow mask, throwing like gas at you and stuff. It's hard to really weave in naturally. 
So mm. similar to like similar to how I think they're doing it in the Pattinson Batman film, they're trying to find like a natural way for this character and his motif to fit into a grounded, realistic story. Like Riddler, they're mm. making a serial killer who leaves riddles, like Zodiac style. Um, and with in this case with Scarecrow, like yes, he's the whole the mind control guy, he's the drug guy, but actually now nah, he's a drug addict and he needs drugs to stay sane. Mm. Uh, but now mm. he's a kind of elector and he's like <laughs> he's helping things out from behind the bar, but behind the bars. But he's got his own sort of extra thing going on in the background. You can't trust what he says. I like that. Like, yeah, it's a nicer mm-hmm. way of it's an easier way of digesting quite a theatrical villain. Mm. But what were yeah. um before? Because when we were talking about like Jason's motivations and everything, I I appreciate the little things that they've done to try and, even though, like I said, it definitely feels like a Bat Family story more than a Titans ones, I I do still appreciate and pick up on the little things that they're doing to try and make it into more of a Titans story in a way. It hasn't gotten there yet, but I think it's about to. Um, because, like, the, the thing before the whole uh, Red Hood, could, could, like, the, a big moment with um, in Under the Red Hood is when Jason has Joker in the building, he lures Batman in there, hands Batman a gun, and says, one of us has to die. It's me or him. Make your choice. They, they like, change that into the whole, like, he gives the gun to Dawn and goes, mm. it's me or Hank. I, I appreciated how they made an effort to at least keep some kind of, like, element of the important moments that we remember yeah. as, like, this is a proper Red Hood scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we haven't seen enough of how Jason actually got to the state of being yeah. Red Hood, I just feel like it isn't really clicking properly yet. Mm-hmm. And they, they also did make the the thing of they gave Corey when she was on the phone to the psychiatrist guy, they gave her the line of, oh, there's been a death in the family. And it's like, okay, yeah. so they're trying to imply that the the family is the Titans family as opposed to the Bat family. Yeah. Okay, cool, I'm with it. But just actually show that instead of yeah. just trying to make us feel like that's what's going on through little lines, mm. actually make it a Titans death in the family, if yeah. that's the yeah. angle you're going for. Yeah, you, you, you think that, you know, if a death in the family was to happen, then, like, the... 40% of the family that are, like, screwing around with Demoscara would probably rock up. Like, uh-huh. like when Raven... <laughs> didn't Rose join the Titans last season? And that, that, oh, she's yeah, off. and she and Jason had, like, a whole thing together. They, like, yeah. went off on a little on a little holiday together. Yeah, romantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, surely but, uh, you think that she'd be one of the people affected by his death as well. Like... Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's... There's certain things that, I mean, maybe we could blame it on the budget, but also isn't just this, like, we don't, it doesn't cost anything more other than, yeah, you got to pay for the actors or whatever, but it doesn't cost anything more to, like, have non-powered character moments, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, other than paying the actor to come in, right? But, like, like, why can't we have those moments uh, and mm-hmm. and not have it just be wasted on like witty banter that isn't really witty again. Mm-hmm. They need someone like, to punch <laughs> up the script. Like you need like I don't know if you guys like know like 
well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we do, but like Seth Rogen, like gets hired to like punch up scripts just for fun. Mm-hmm. Like Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher punched up the scripts for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, like you get in people that don't get writing credits for it. They just punch it up and like you move on. Like yeah. these mm-hmm. should have been punched up. Yeah. And Even they like had little, time. Little you things know. like, um, that scene, this is one of the things, like when I was saying before, when characters just talk outwardly to themselves. Makes sense in a comic book, not so much on a screen. Mm, that yeah. moment in the, uh, I think it was the first or second episode of season three, where Gar is lying down on the laptop and he's talking to Rachel, but to himself. That yeah. could very easily have just been, just get Tegan Croft on a Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just have it actually be a conversation that he has with Rachel. He fills her in on what's happening with Jason and she makes some kind of remark explaining why she isn't able to come back and help. Something is happening with, like she she's made progress in her efforts to revive Donna. Some reason mm-hmm. <laughs> for her yep. not to be there instead of it just being like, oh yeah, she's gone. That's it. That's all yeah. you get. Right. She's off somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they're um, vaguely off because, like, I don't like how they threw the line in. Yeah, they're off just trying. You're, oh, yeah, you're probably off in uh, Themyscira trying to bring Donna back to life. Because like, that, like, that's a, a thing now. Well. Yeah, well, can, we, <laughs> can we talk about that a little more? Like, what, 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 what do you mean bring her back to life? Like, are you going <laughs> to do right. that? Are other characters coming back? What, what's, the, what's, the game? what's the game plan here? And meanwhile, like, 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 like sorry, Dick's talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the delay is really like, blowing us off. No, I was thinking like Dick also kind of was like, oh, who could this person like, be? Could it really be Jason? Oh, did they figure out how to bring people back to life with Donna? Did they, uh, uh, did Ra's al Ghul bring her back to life? And Dick was like, no, yeah, no, no one's resurrected to nobody. Who could this possibly be? Blah, blah, blah. Like, All right, cool. So you clearly have the ability to talk about this concept, but you just bring up that, oh, yeah, they're trying to, they're just trying to bring Donna back to life. It's, you know, your average Tuesday. No, you haven't done that before. We're three seasons in. We've not done the resurrection shtick yet. Like, mm-hmm. talk about it yeah. for a little while. <laughs> right. I feel like it's going to end up being that either it's either they found out how Jason got resurrected, they relay that to Rachel, and that's how she brings back Donna, or yeah. Rachel figures out how to bring back Donna, they come back and tell the Titans and then they go, oh shit, maybe that's what happened to Jason. Yeah. But like, it, it's, I'm like 99% certain it's going to end up being the same thing that resurrects them. Maybe a Lazarus pit, maybe something to do with um, Rachel's magic, like a healing thing. Because yeah. they, they did set that up as a whole thing in the second season that like, oh, she can heal people as well as kill them. And she's, her magic is good, except it's also bad, depending on what mood she's in that day. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, what was I? I, I? I think, like, having a character moment where, like, all it doesn't take much for Hank to be like, you can't bring people back from the dead. You you are all idiots. You know what I mean? Like, like we're all just being like, yeah, 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 resurrection. Okay, cool. And then, but, like, a character like Hank could be like, uh... Why are we wasting time on this? Tell her to come back. Donna's dead. Like, people mm-hmm. die. Moving on. You know? Yeah. No one tried to bring back Aqualad. That was a whole... Uh-huh. A whole or Jericho. Yeah. That was a whole... You guys have lost <laughs> titans, like, every season. And no one yeah. could be like, you know what? This time we'll try to bring him back to life. Like, that's, wait, wait, mm-hmm. how did we get there? Like, there to be yeah. fair, like... I mean, not to be fair. The, what, an, an annoyance <laughs> that I had... Because specifically, like, the reason I was happy to talk about titans because I really liked last season, like, season two... In general, mm-hmm. like I really enjoy. It. I think that's what the, sh- the peak of the show for me. 
and I'm enjoying elements of season three so far. Um, mm. But I don't like that they set up a lot of cool things in season two and they're just like forgotten about all of it in the first three episodes. Wasn't there a thing that like Rachel, did she manifest a version of Bruce Wayne to go and talk to Donna, yes. Corey, and the others? <laughs> yeah. Like, they look, they in kind the of diner. Yes. Yeah, in the diner. Like a little throwaway line, like, oh yeah, that wasn't me. I wasn't in the diner. And they all looked at each other like, whoa, did Rachel manifest that? What? She can just, ma- she can't just manifest. What do you mean? What does that like, mean? Explore that. Please, they got explore yeah. that. What the hell? Yeah, and then, like, Rachel was, like, an integral character of this entire show. She's not here for the first three episodes. Like, yeah. where is she? The whole reason yeah. the show started in the first place was Dick was going off to do his own thing, and then all of a sudden, this spooky teenager goes, I know you. You're the boy from the circus in my dream. Yeah. She's like, like <laughs> next to Dick, she is the main character, and all of the main plot elements do tend to revolve around her. I don't mind mm-hmm. that, I think she's an interesting yeah, character. Yeah. But, like, what, they just you completely can't set that up, and then they were like, you're like, you know, forget <laughs> it, this is a Batman show now. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. But I will say, with the whole thing of season three being more like a Batman show, it kind of has its, its pros and its cons. Because mm. the, the, the main con of it is it's meant to be about the Titans. But it's it's a Batman show. Yeah. But and I, I was talking about this um with my dad after he watched the first three episodes as well. Season three at the moment, because they've like moved off to Gotham, they've kind of changed the tone of the, the show a little bit, they've gone more like dark and gritty and everything. It does kind of feel like where Gotham, the show, ended up in that kind of sweet spot of like tonally, in that sweet spot of it's not up its own ass with how dark mm. and edgy it is, but it's still like, it, it It feels like it's a continuation of the Gotham we saw in Gotham. And actually one thing that I did notice that kind of got me like, oh, was in the, um, the Red Hood like table scene in episode two, one of the women at that table is called Valeska, which is... Jerome and Jeremiah Valeska from ah. Gotham. They were both different, like, starting versions of the Joker. Joker yeah. And yeah. this whole season is based off of the repercussions of Joker killing Jason. And at first I was like, is that just a little reference? Or is that a potential connection? Because mm-hmm. the timelines could match up. Um, Bruce was about 20-ish when Gotham ended. And he's about 30, no, he's about 60 now. Yeah. Um, and Dick is about 30 in Titans. So if Dick was born like five or 10 years after Gotham ended, and we saw his parents in Gotham talking about having a kid in the next few years, mm-hmm. the timelines could potentially match up. I hope not. Maybe. I, not I, I don't know if I want it to or not. Yeah. Because it they they feel nice as like their own little like bubbles of worlds but there's a couple of little things like the whole Valeska thing and Mm -hmm. just tiny little bits like that that make me go are they suggesting a connection are they leaving them separate but saying uh maybe if you want it to be (laughs) yeah and like like when it comes to the DC universe they've they've done the old Retcon. Actually, we're a part of the same universe the whole time, or we have and haven't uh-huh. been. They've done that a few times, <laughs> to be fair. 
all of a sudden, like every DC property is a part of the Arrowverse now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Titans and Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing all made yeah, a cameo. Yeah, just popped up in the, in the crisis. Yeah. <laughs> in the crisis. Yeah. And Ezra Miller Flash. So they've literally said everything is at the very least in the same multiverse, which yeah. is like cool, yeah. cool, fair enough. But are you going to start just deciding that these two things that you've posed as separate universes? got like merged together in the crisis or something and yeah. bang now they're now they're the same thing deal with it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they, can, uh, they keep it super vague i guess mm. I, I i'm always uh confused by what dc has next because uh <laughs> let, let's 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 kind of shift this conversation a little bit just into like like what makes a good adaptation slash interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel has their own thing that they're doing right now and they're hitting big with everything that they're doing because I think that they have the right formula. They don't do a Mm -hmm. one-to-one interpretation uh, and that's fine. You don't need it. Then you get the fans that are like, we're expecting one-to-one, right? (laughs) We want, like, we, we know we want, like, like, Agatha to lead to Mephisto and Mephisto to lead to House of M and like mm-hmm. all these things like <laughs> we, we know like but then Marvel's like we don't we're not striking it down we're not counting mm-hmm. it out but at the same time we can do it if we think leave things open enough we can yeah. do adaptations of House of M uh, mm-hmm. somebody compared WandaVision to House of M and I'm like they're not the same they're yeah. not. No. This isn't. WandaVision was not even an adaptation of House of M. That's not. They drew like moments of inspiration, but they are far from being like no, the, the far, same like, story. The, the yeah. general concept of Wanda making her own universe, I feel like, is the the tiniest piece of it. And even then, it's more so pulled from Scarlet Witch and the Vision, a whole mm-hmm. ease mm-hmm. run where she basically she like they didn't she didn't create her own town then, but she lived in a quiet little town with Vision mm-hmm. and right. babies and stuff. Like that effect, they kind of took the element of her creation magic and just blended it in with the more mm. quiet little town home life of division situation. I think the right. biggest like similarity connection between the two, for me at least, was just the fact that it was when it came to Wanda's illusion being shattered, it was Agatha who forced her to break out of her illusion, her illusion using Tommy and Billy. To do that, whether it was yeah. making Wanda accept that they weren't real or making Wanda um, okay. kind of like confront her fears, which then led to them not being real. That was the biggest like comparison to make right. between the two. Right. Yeah. Um, DC, though, has trouble with their adaptations, right? Mm-hmm. DC has had a spotty record trying to figure out <laughs> where their adaptation, what they want their adaptations to be where they want it to go. Because I think it's one thing to be like, this is my adaptation, this is how it is. But then, like, knowing where it wants to go, like the Star Star Wars sequel trilogy, like, they did not know where they wanted it to go. And that's a problem. You need to know where you want your babies to go and grow and what they're going to grow into and become. Mm -hmm. And Titans, I think, is one of those things, like, I don't know whether they know what they want it to be yeah. And they keep changing it, and like, how do how do you guys how do you guys feel how do you guys feel about that? What I'm saying right now, so because okay. I have a lot of thoughts. 
<laughs> with DC, so I agree. And let's just keep going that's all the DC compared to like Marvel's versions of it. I feel like what Marvel do specifically, I feel like the idea of what they do probably comes fundamentally down to the fact that they know that they've got a massive comic book audience or an audience that generally knows what happens in the Civil War story. They know what happens in Secret Invasion. So what they have yeah. to do in Marvel is they have to kind of tweak it to keep us surprised. You know, we yeah. didn't know oh, how yeah. we didn't know how Captain America Civil War was gonna. We knew how the the comic book ended with the you know the people tackling down Cap and kills on trial and all that. So we knew that's how it ended. We couldn't guarantee the same thing would happen in the movies, so it kept us on our toes. And mm-hmm. one division was the same, probably maybe to a detriment. So when we were like, no, Mephisto has to show up because it obviously showed up <laughs> in the comic run. Um, you know, and to, to our credit, they did leave an army of Easter eggs towards it. Um, <laughs> but they generally their whole thing is like, okay, cool, this is the inspiration, but you're never gonna know what com- what comes next. And I appreciate that. DC mm. expects you to know what's coming. You know, the minute they put Doomsday mm. in the Batman vs Superman trailer, it was like, yes, we are going to kill Superman. There's no way around it. Get ready for that. I was like, all right, <laughs> all right, wait, hold on a second. You just gave us back. We 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 all we asked for was Batman vs Superman, and you gave us that. We were pretty. I I remember when they first announced Batman vs Superman, the little at, at Comic Con with the, the Superman logo and then Batman's yeah. logo surrounded. I was like, no, sick, cool. <laughs> we asked for it. We said we wanted it, and they're like, yes, yeah, screw it. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, yeah, but here's Doomsday in the trailer. So you know what comes, you know what comes next. And Titans <laughs> did the same thing. Like the, you mm. see Red Hood in the trailer, Crowbar. You know, it's, you know what's coming. We're not gonna, not, we're not gonna not do it. Yeah. I was yeah. like, all right, cool. So <laughs> the suspense is gone. And you're, you're dead, yeah. dead. what DC are doing is telling bad interpretations of their already iconic stories, whereas mm. Marvel is telling very different interpretations of their already iconic stories. Yeah. Which makes them, mm-hmm. and then you can decide whether it's good or bad. But DC automatically tends to jump into, we're gonna do that, but not as good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have something to point out. If you, if you, okay, this is, I, I think I've brought it up before in the past, but if you bring up, and I, I love all these characters. I love all the storylines. I read the comics. I, I, I am critical on both things. I'm like, Marvel shouldn't have done this. DC shouldn't have done this with these yeah. characters, blah, 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 blah. But hmm. the opening um, thing that says like DC comics and the opening thing that says Marvel comics, right? The yeah. stingers or whatever that, that like, I forget what, I don't know what they're called, but like, when when Marvel is their approach to their beginning thing is remember these amazing moments from movies we have seen. That's this, right? Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. we're coming in on the Marvel logo. DC is constantly like a car salesman being like, we got these. Have you tried out Dr. Fate yet? <laughs> Well, yeah. you've never even seen Dr. Fate, but doesn't mm-hmm. he look cool? So that whole beginning, I hate it. I yeah. absolutely hate the beginning DC logo of like the the like a like a drawings of these characters that we have yet to see. And then it mm-hmm. it pans out to like a hundred plus characters. Where it's like, like the expanded why, why should we care? Why yeah. should we we're care? Not, we're never gonna get that. Yeah. We're never yeah. gonna get that. Why should we care? You're trying to sell us on all these things, which was kind of the thesis or my thesis on DC fandom, which was that mm. like online virtual Comic-Con for DC properties. They yeah. were half-baked ideas that they were trying to sell us on and get us excited for half-baked ideas. Black Adam didn't even, hadn't even started filming yeah. yet. Yet they were, they had like concept art. They were like, 
check out this new concept art. And it's like, you're showing us a menu of things you have not created yet. And yeah. it's this mm-hmm. weird, by the way, sorry, Abby, I thought it that was a, <laughs> a, a lemur on your lap. I thought that was, you know, I saw that tail and I'm like, that is Maurice from that. <laughs> this one but is no, Cora. It's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> this one is Cora. Yeah. So cute. Um, I just, I think their approaches are totally different and then they don't like give us, they're like, here's all our toy boxes and nobody cares about the toys they have because they haven't shown us to care about it. And Marvel's like, remember these toys that you grew up with? That's what Mm -hmm. we're showing. And I think that that, even that approach is totally different. Yeah. And what Marvel do is they, they, I don't, they don't presume too much with their audience, but I think DC does. Like DC will show like Green Lantern and Doctor Fate and like Z- mm. Zatanna in their in as amongst their little panel and stuff. I was like, okay, cool, Green Lantern. Maybe people will remember mm. the Green Lantern from the cartoon, but it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. The movie. This, the, yeah, well, the generation currently even knows like Ryan Reynolds or like a bold black guy in the animated series. So you just saw like this uh, this drawing of Hal <laughs> Jordan. And you're like, wait. Do we, have I seen this guy? Have they done it? Who's that? And then Doctor Fate, even more so. Like to assume that everyone has understands and knows who Doctor Fate is is a wow yeah. assumption. I think there's a lot of assuming that there's an assumption that everyone knows the comic books. Everyone just knows mm-hmm. this, and I think Marvel yeah. tend to not take that approach. Marvel are like, yeah. you might know who Shang Chi is, but we're gonna give you his movie first before we start putting him <laughs> in all the, the, the yeah. big fanfare and all that. We're gonna let you mm-hmm, let yeah. you understand and like him first, and then, like you said, they show clips of the movies. We like remember that movie. He's a part of this universe now. Like he's now now right. they're woven in. Same with Black Panther. He didn't just suddenly appear in the logo. They wait. Mm. They didn't put him in, in Civil War's logo. They after Civil War came out, then he's a part of the big fun fanfare. Right. Strange. Yeah. Right. Um. So they make you like the their interpretations of the character first, and make sure that general audiences know this. And you know, not treating everyone like a you know a master comic book aficionado, but DC mm-hmm. are like you will know this character. So whether we give you them or not, you probably like it. Right. And I feel like that very much comes from because when you think of like iconic superheroes, regardless of whether you read the comics or you watch the films or not, if you were to ask a a random person who doesn't really give that much of a shit about this kind of stuff to name superheroes, some of the first ones that they name would be Batman and Superman and yeah. Wonder Woman because they're just like really big commercial kind mm-hmm. of yeah. names and they always have been, um, not just in films but also in the comics for like decades beforehand. Yeah. But DC kind of, they kind of take liberties with that and they go, everyone knows our big three characters, which means that everyone probably knows the Justice League characters, like The Flash and Aquaman and Green Lantern. And if people know those guys, then they're also obviously going to know Green Arrow and, and Zatanna. And if they know Zatanna, then they know the entire magic world of Dr. Right. Fate and Etrigan and Constantine. Right. Like, whoa, slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slow and I think that, that, that lends to the questionable moment in Batman v Superman where Lex had his little PowerPoint presentation of the Justice League and just throw, so throw bad. the Flash and Aquaman <laughs> and one of those guys and they were like, we'll see you in like two years for the Justice League movie. Mm. Why do you assume everyone knows who these people are? No. And why did we get Aquaman <laughs> and Flash's movie after the Justice? That doesn't make sense. Why right. are you throwing them into the... It's, and if, if Marvel had done that, especially how they were in phase one, 
that would not hmm. take it. Like, had no. Avengers come first before Iron Man, Cap, Thor, would not have done well. Wouldn't right. have been that would be right. <laughs> uh, we wouldn't I, be I here get... today. Yeah. <laughs> With our exactly. TikToks and our We would be, streams. yeah, what, like, what, like, <laughs> I remember when, like, there was, there was a, I think Universal or something tried to do, like, a Robin Hood cinematic universe. They had plans to do, like, yeah. a big, broad Robin Hood thing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. if Marvel didn't take off, it would just be us talking about Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, that's the big thing. You know? Um, like, my again, like I said, like my mom and I were watching Birds of Prey. I've already seen it twice. I saw it twice in theaters, and then I'm yeah. seeing it the third time with my, my mom. We're halfway, but that movie starts off with the DC logo with showing all these things, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, being like, my mom's gonna see this and be like, she's not even gonna ask what is this. She's gonna be like, yeah. more like, what is this? Like, yeah. it's yeah. a different tone, right? <laughs> like, this is not the movie we're watching of this, yeah. like, grounded Birds of Prey Gotham type thing. This is, like, mm-hmm. why should sh- why should my mom care about this plethora of characters? Uh, which yeah. is the opposite of what Marvel does, is Marvel makes you care. DC's asking you to care. And, like, mm. and, and my mom knows, my mom would know Rocket Raccoon before she knows Dr. Fate. Most people would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because they've made, <laughs> made you care about their character. And... This is where credit to James Gunn, because James Gunn basically exposed that flaw with his movie by intentionally choosing the characters that even the diehard cover. I didn't know who half <laughs> of those guys were. I didn't know Black God existed. I knew yeah. like the ones on the main team. I knew King Shark and Bloodsport because of their iconic uh-huh. moments. I didn't know like TDK and I had no idea. But they made me, if they didn't make me care about them, they made me at least laugh at them understand like I yeah. get ads but like okay javelin just sucks and he's dead fine whatever like, and yeah. they used them to produce one of the highest rated dc films yeah. <laughs> that they've ever done exactly with now, the if, most if obscure all... characters exactly yeah. and if general audiences had only seen the suicide squad and they've not seen much else of dc they didn't really care about superman and batman and then mm-hmm. the next dc film within this universe had an opening fanfare of like king shark doing something stupid <laughs> you'd be like ah king shark like they you get the response that you probably wanted to by um, when they show when they show Doctor Fate. No one cares. Mm-hmm. Comic book fans do. Right. Even then, you're like, well, we haven't seen them, so why are you why are right. you selling me a lie? <laughs> right. <laughs> but actually, on the topic of the Suicide Squad, one of the things when you said that we were going to be talking about like comic book adaptations or something, yeah, this is like the one specific thing that I so badly wanted to bring up because it has been frustrating me every time I see it. In the response to The Suicide Squad, I have seen so many people take that film, which is a fantastic film, and they take it and go, this is what all comic book adaptations should look like. Fun and colourful and not taking itself seriously. People treat comic books like they're a genre. They're not. They're a medium for genres, just like films are, just like novels are. Like, they aren't... Comic book films is not a genre of film. Because if you tried to do... um, Like, say, if you compare a story like uh, the Suicide Squad film to, say, the the Sandman ones, which is just in my head because it's what I'm reading. Uh If you tried to take something as darkly um, twisted and crazy and just, like really really deep 
but in a charming way, like Sandman. And you tried to do that in a bright, fun, we're swearing all the time, ultra-violence, Suicide Squad film sort of way. It would be a terrible adaptation. Yeah. It might make a good film, but as an adaptation of the Sandman novels, or the Sandman graphic novels, it would be horrible. <laughs> right. That's how we got George Clooney's Bat Nipples. That just oh, God, that, right. Batman is very <laughs> Why would much. Why you remind suits. me of those? I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, have they done that before? Yeah, they have. Batman and Robin. That's the <laughs> Batman yeah. is like, yes, he's had the lighthearted comics for sure, but he's generally like by and large known as the dark, he's the dark gothic character. He's the embodiment right. of DC's more gothic energy. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the Batman and Robin films, was it Batman Returns? That was all about making Batman campy and funny and having Bat mm-hmm. credit card and getting like <laughs> like really a, a campy take that was just like yeah no but that's the energy uh-huh. that apparently everyone's like yeah comic, all comic book films should feel like that it's like, ah, exactly no. that right. same energy <laughs> might have worked maybe for like like the first Fantastic Four film wasn't perfect but the campy energy I think worked for that film because that's what they were going for it was a silly mm-hmm. like family fun and you wouldn't question that with a Fantastic Four because at their heart they are a family team yeah. from the director of Barbershop you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I found that out. Yeah. <laughs> but I think people uh, often use that kind of like criticism specifically for DC. They're like, oh, DC is too dark, um, which means DC is bad. And it's like, no, no, no. Right. A lot of DC stuff tends to have dark genres. You just right. probably don't like dark genre films yeah. or and dark genre stories, which is yeah. perfectly yeah. fine. But that doesn't make DC bad because if right. they make a fun, bright one like the Suicide Squad film, and you like that, that doesn't mean that's the only good DC film. It means yeah, it's right. the DC film that happens to be in the genre that you like, and right. it was done well. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think that like directorial styles are also different. Like, like people were like, James Gunn should now do a Justice League movie. No, 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 uh-uh. no, 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 no. Yeah. no. Let James Gunn be the punk rock director. He's the yes. punk rock. Yes. Uh, he's the Andy Warhol. He's the like the pop culture, the alt pop kind of yeah. director. Mm-hmm. And like, he knows when to reel it in. He He can regulate himself. A lot of directors can't. Patty yeah. Jenkins, Wonder Woman 84, could not regulate herself, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Wonder Woman 84 was a, 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 it was not good, in my opinion. Mm-mm. And so, <laughs> uh, uh, but like, you can't have James Gunn now do the whole DC universe. And it's something that I talked about on TikTok, where it was like, like, you can get him to do more things that are utilizing his directorial style. So like Marvel, the cosmic the cosmic Marvel is James Gunn inspired. And yeah. then Taika Waititi mm-hmm. took that to do Ragnarok. And so yeah. we've kind of formed a cosmic Marvel around the combination of Jack Kirby aesthetics with Taika mm-hmm. Waititi and James Gunn. And doing that, that makes sense, right? But for saying like all the Avengers movies have to be James Gunn, there's a problem <laughs> there. Um, yeah. But what what we're learning is that like we can give talented filmmakers the the keys to the car, give them some parameters. You can't drive outside city city. You know, can't go across county lines with the with the drugs that are in the trunk. But like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's also why I, wouldn't I forget. Have wanted, I wouldn't have wanted like 
and maybe this is me being a little too pedantic, but like, so Zack Snyder was almost viewed the same way James Gunn is being viewed now, right? Right, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, like he did, they do one really good version in their style. Like Zack Snyder has a very specific style. Watchmen, Man of Steel have a very specific Zack Snyder auteur feel. Yeah. The same yeah. way, <clears throat> the same way Guardians of the Galaxy and Suicide Squad have a very similar feel and style because of what James Gunn did. They're very like they're auteurs. They have their uh, way of uh, speaking. Mm-hmm. But to think that the entire universe should have that same like way of speaking, that same language uh, of, of filmmaking. Uh, okay, cool. The dark vibe that Zack Snyder is going for, for me personally, I say works best with Batman, with mm-hmm. the darker characters where it feels right. I wouldn't mind a Zack Snyder Justice League dark. Maybe he's just Snyder mm. does Constantine. And with mm-hmm. James Gunn, I can see James Gunn taking like more the the, the sillier characters. Those Lobo, I would love a James Gunn Lobo film. <laughs> I feel like he could do something ridiculously good with, with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would watch that. But I wouldn't want a James Gunn Superman film. Right. Well, because we're on the on the topic of um, like directors for these films and everything, and also because you brought up Justice League Dark, I just want to say that I am ridiculously excited for it, it's ages away, but for the Zatanna film that Emerald Fennel is directing. Yeah, is it going to happen? Am, I've seen a whole bunch of articles and stuff, and I because I <laughs> Zatanna is like one of my favorite characters. I love her so so much I've, I've always said i in the future i want to go into acting and i've said that if i could get my one dream role in the world it would be as zatanna um that is like that is the goal that i know i'm never going to achieve <laughs> um, i, I, I wanted to be beast with... boy i get it i wanted to be beast boy and now i want to be ted cord blue beetle so i get mm-hmm. it but keep going <laughs> I, i've been like keeping up with all the stuff and i've seen so many things on like um emerald fennel's um like official agent stuff listing Zatanna as one of her upcoming projects and I've seen Promising Young Woman and I love that film so so much I love that film with I haven't seen it it. I haven't seen it I wanted to of my heart it's a Carrie Carrie Mulligan right yes Mm -hmm. she is an amazing amazing actor and Emerald Fennel the work on that film was just like sublime and when I heard that a Zatanna film was in the works, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I hope they don't mess it up. And then I heard that Emerald Fennel's name was attached to it. And I thought, I am going to love this film. <laughs> Even if it's got like 20 flawed moments in it that made me go like, oh, that kind of sucked. I will still love this film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I
Taika, I love Taika, but we can't have Taika be in every, like, all the Marvel movies mm-hmm. are now Taika. Like, we we shouldn't <laughs> do that. Um, I was going to bring up something that you said, and now I forget. Uh, oh, Ava, Ava DuVernay was supposed to do New Gods, and that mm. fell apart, and she's not doing yeah. that anymore. And I love my mm. New Gods. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> uh, I, so I hope, Abby, for your sake, that you do get the Zatanna movie that you want, that you deserve, that is my <laughs> Christmas wish for you. Yeah. Why, thank I mean, you. If the, if the, if the DC second Ava film anything. comes out. Yeah, no, DC needs <laughs> to learn anything. Yes, they need to, um, they need to let the directors do the film without interference. I feel, I imagine that the new gods was Ava DuVernay wanted to do one thing and the studio said no. And Ava was like, yeah, no, we're not doing it. Ava didn't even mm-hmm. wait for like the movie to be bad. She was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I will step out before it gets bad. I can only hope Emerald Fennel, at least if he sees the ship burning, just step away from it straight away. Don't yes. be, be involved yeah. with it. <laughs> and then if she happens to make a film a couple years later that happens to be about, <laughs> about a young woman with magic powers called uh, Zatina. <laughs> Hey, oh, take my money. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Yeah. But I will still be showing up to that. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Abby Zerkova. Oh, yeah. please. <laughs> please. Emerald, I'm waiting for my phone call. I'm waiting for the email. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think the big thing about these adaptations, the big point I want to make is character perspective. Their POV. Their main character traits right Mm. when you pick a character a character is more than their job because what happens if they lose their job do they cease to exist a character is more than just who's dating who whose parents are who but a character can be summed up with like like does anger drive their personality does paranoia drive their personality what Mm. drives the prism and this comes from my my background in improv and like how do you create a character just like that when you're playing a character on stage and you have full control, you hinge it on one emotion out of the emotion wheel. This is kind of my background, but like like you write characters that way, right? So that no matter where you put your character, like a good character can like go to Starbucks and suddenly a beast boy's working at Starbucks. How do we know that? Like, how will he react? We know how rocket raccoon will react because Marvel does a really good job on these characters because Mm -hmm. no, you take rocket raccoon to Starbucks. You know how he reacts. You take Groot and make him a, uh, a a couples counselor. You know how he'll react. (laughs) Groot's a little bit different because he has only limited dialogue. (laughs) Right. But we take Tony Stark and we put him. we put him um, uh, playing, Uno and like how will Tony play Uno? We know. And that's where like a lot of fans have fun with it being like, oh, how would they play Dungeons and Dragons? It's because we know these characters so well from Marvel movies that we know how they would play Dungeons and Dragons characters if we were to put them in that scenario. Mm-hmm. DC, we never get that. We never get that. Yeah. We, we it feels get that like because we when can do that with Nightwing to... in the comics, but not Nightwing and Titans, you know? Mm-hmm. When it comes right. to the character building between the two different um, like properties, like DC and Marvel, it, it feels quite often that Marvel start from the person and then add the mask or the, the superhero title onto it. Right. Whereas DC 
start with the superhero title because they go, everyone knows Batman. So if we say this is a Batman film, people will come to see Batman. They start with the superhero title and then they take off the mask and show the person underneath. But then because of how long it takes to get to that stage, Mm -hmm. if it's done as quickly as we see Marvel characters putting on the mask, it feels too rushed and forced. But if they prolong it and they spend the time like going down from it, it feels really dragged out. And it's like, come on, come on, like actually show us the person. And they kind Mm -hmm. of dig themselves into a hole a little bit with that because Mm -hmm. when it came to um, starting the MCU and everything, they were intentionally using not the biggest Marvel characters because, you know, they didn't have rights to some of them. Um, Others were just like too mixed up in like different properties and storylines and all that kind of stuff. So they went, let's take some characters that people might have heard of, but they don't know. So we can create those characters and then give them a superhero title. Right. But DC starts with the big guns from the get-go and then eventually demasks them. But yeah. this the storyline has often um depleted quite a lot before they get to the unmasking stage. So no yeah. matter what, it tends to feel a little bit um like underwhelming, I guess. Yeah, like to this yeah. day, you know, Man of Steel was what 2013, like eight or so years ago I the Flash movie hasn't come out yet but the Flash has been in multiple DC projects I don't know how he got his powers I, I, mm-hmm. was he, did, did he already know who Iris was in that weird hot dog scene yeah <laughs> like what his love life is I don't know and I know nothing yeah. about Barry Allen whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, I know I know much more about Cyborg now thanks to the Snyder version specifically but mm. I didn't know that like, Wonder Woman just popped up in Batman v Superman. I knew nothing about her. I knew this version of her. I knew nothing about why she's there. Like, is right. this version of her? Is she immortal? How old is she? What's the what's the vibe? Why is she just all of a sudden just helping out these two guys? Where has she been? <laughs> yeah. Could she not have helped Clark fight Zod? You know, the, mm. where were you then? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. It, the, it, it, oh, sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to say, like, that they... Um, they... Like, like, like Abby was saying, they lean too much on the assumption that, like, okay, cool, you guys know Batman. You don't need to do the whole... We'll give you the whole, like, pearls dropping off of his mama's necklace and stuff like that. But the whole him <laughs> becoming Batman, you get it already, right? Cool, we're, 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 we're past that. But actually, He's like, 20 years to think into about his it, career. <laughs> yeah, but you start to think about it, no, the rest of the Batman films hadn't really done that. Like, the, the Keaton ones actually don't go into... Bruce becoming Batman. Bruce just is Batman and we accepted it at the time because, you know, I guess the world didn't take superhero films as regular films anyway. That that at that point superhero was kind of a, just the genre rather right. than the rather than the medium. So you see a Batman film, you know, I don't really question how Bruce became Batman. Like looking back, mm-hmm. I was like, oh this Bruce is a Batman, and we learn as we go. Um the Dark Knight kinda did. But mm. even then, there's a whole trilogy. So it's been a, at that point, by the time Batman vs. Superman comes out, it's like over 10 years after um, 2005, 2005, Batman Begins? Or 2000, yeah, yeah. 2005. Uh, 2005 was Batman Begins, yeah. Yeah, over yeah. 10 years later. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you, you remember Batman's origins from a decade ago, mm-hmm. right? Cool. We're, we're 20 years in the future now. We've never seen him, like, me or mm-hmm. Robin in live action. We've never seen him right. really encounter uh, people like, 
Harley Quinn probably in live action. Right. Any of mm. his Rose Gallery. We just assume we see little Easter eggs of like the Robin suit. We're just trying to put the piece together. We're like, that, that was probably Jason that died, but I guess uh-huh. also, like Dick died too <laughs> is the implication. You know, right. and he kind of think- has a relationship with Alfred, I suppose. They seem mm-hmm. like mates. I right. think as well, they even when they do show the the demasked version of the hero, we only see like say when they show us Bruce instead of Batman, they show us Bruce doing stuff in the Batcave Batman, yeah. relevant to his Batman um like detective yeah. work. He's still say, like in He's the just warm. Just exactly. <laughs> but in the Dark Knight trilogy, um they they didn't do that quite as much. You had little things like um like the scene when he goes into the restaurant where Harvey and Rachel are, and he has that little moment of like so, something about um the tables, and he's like, "Oh, put the tables together." And like, oh, I don't think you can do that. And he's like, "Of course I can. I own it." Great, yeah. great, cool moment that showed us the kind right. of person that Bruce Wayne is. Yeah. Aside from all of the Batman stuff, we've seen Batman in action a million times before. Just show us. Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. right then show us Batman and then of course you can have them like moments where you see him quickly go from one to the other because ah a bank robbery is happening around the corner stuff like that like cool but just actually show us the different halves of the character instead right. of Batman with and without his mask yeah that's that that's the thing about DC properties in general not Suicide Squad but DC mm. properties in general, they're like, I know what plot we want for the movie. Let's make our characters conform to the plot, right? Yeah. When something's plot-driven, it's like, do these characters need to break up? Their relationship is on the rocks? No, but I want them to break up, so let's come up with some random thing that they break up. Do yeah. these characters get together and mm-hmm. kiss? Let's make some random thing. Instead of being like, oh, yeah, these characters would do that, it's like, what does the plot demand of the characters? Marvel, on the other Mm -hmm. hand, for the most part, they know who their characters are, so they're not going to be like, Drax is now super smart to outwit (laughs) Ego because Mm -hmm. the plot demands it. Like, we know who these characters are. But Titans as a show, I can't tell you the the personality traits of these Titans characters. I can't, because it changes according to the plot. Like... Mm -hmm. What what drives Bruce? Is it anger or compassion? That's something you need mm-hmm. to settle before you do any Batman thing. Is it compassion? Everyone's Is it revenge? Is it right? You have to craft these characters mm-hmm. and then put them together in a plot, which is what James Gunn does really well in the Suicide Squad, is we know each of the... Like, I could put King Shark... I, 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 in Starbucks, I keep bringing that up. King <laughs> Shark works at Starbucks... We know now, we know exactly, we could write that scene. That's like sketch mm-hmm. writing. That's that's episode writing, right? That's where it's King Shark at a Starbucks, King Shark at a bar mitzvah. What happens? Mm-hmm. We know <laughs> it. Polka Dot Man, if he was, you know, RIP, like Polka Dot Man, if he was still alive, what he would be <laughs> at a bar mitzvah. Like, we know that, right? Because yeah. James Gunn put the characters first. And then they were like, now we know what the plot is. Let's put these characters into it. And not mm-hmm. all these adaptations will do that. Like in Titans, you know? every single character, basically their only personality trait is that they're damaged in a slightly different way to the person next to them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. of their personality traits is just 
damaged right. in this yeah. way, damaged in that way. Yeah. And there's yeah, more and to and a person than like their trauma. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that that sums up, I think, the show. And this is interesting because like, I came on like fully knowing that like I do, I do watch that and so, like I did not necessarily I don't hate it I like as a show. Yeah, yeah no. And then, like I, I feel the same way again, I keep likening this to the to the CW shows, to the Arrowverse and stuff. I think what they tend to do well is that despite the plot being weird, because yeah, they just base the characters on, on what the, the plot is for that season, they make you like at least one character and it could kind of hook yes. you on the character. Like, because I know fully, full well, my whole heart that, like, Arrow, early seasons, I think the plot was good. The characters were pretty much just based on the plot, but the plots were good. So I was like, I was able to like the characters. So it's cool. I'm, I'm there, mm. I'm sticking around with Oliver Queen. It's a, it's a different interpretation to what I'm used to, but I'm sticking with it. So that when the bad plots happened, I was like, oh, Oliver. Like, like I'm still, <laughs> still kind of rocking with it. It's weird, but I'm like, I guess I've got to stick, stick through it. And I think uh, Arrow is an example of, like, it had its bad seasons, but its plot tended to work itself, even in its worst points, worked itself out to where we're like, hey, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. But yeah, right. other mm-hmm. shows like, say, maybe The Flash, uh, where, you know... You uh, it's so of... bad now. It's oh. so bad now. <laughs> no, but then I The Flash had the same premise. Like four seasons ago. <laughs> yes, well, so did I. And then I kind of saw the lightsaber <laughs> shit, and I was like, what's going on here? The I lightsaber shit makes like, no sense. The there was the... <laughs> I can tell you for a fact, I, w- I decided to binge and catch up and figure out what was going on, like, post the crisis or whatever. Um, the last mm-hmm. thing came out of nowhere. There was no context for it. It just, the villain did it. So then the Flash were like, oh, I could probably do that. I just did it. And the lightsaber oh just appeared in his hand and it was, there was nothing. And then there was a weird sort of almost Star Wars rip-off theme as they fought. It was so oh awkward. Oh, it was no. so bad. And I stopped watching them long like, before that, even. Yeah, I think no, I only I, made it to, like, season three or four. So yeah. way before the, the crisis even happened. I think it got to the, like, the, the second or third time that they did their, like, annual crossover between the universes, mm-hmm. because that's just, like, a compulsory thing that they have to yeah. do now. Yeah, 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 It got to, like, the second or third one of that, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I think <Yeah>. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, mean, you're, I, you're I don't totally know at which right point. With, um... Sorry, I, like, I don't know at which point uh, Barry traveling to the future and or past to change the future and or past. I was just like, okay, I don't really understand this anymore, and gave up. And then, like I said, <laughs> binged it to catch up to figure out what the hell it turned into. Um, mm. But that's what, where, where I realized that I don't want Titans to do. It, it's on the cusp of it right now because I think it had yeah. a good last season. Is that like okay? They made you like the characters because they've had, you know, so many decent plots. They made you hate certain characters. Like, I feel like the intention was to hate Jason. Like, I hate him because they want me to. Um, yeah. And they, they, I, I like Dick because the show wants me to. They, put, they make Dick do a lot of cool stuff. He's in cool scenes. He's a caring person. I care mm-hmm. about this character. And to a degree, I actually quite like... I know Hank wasn't everyone's favourite, but I kind of liked Hank, like, warts and all. Um, <laughs> but I don't want them to just rely on fans love these characters... So mm-hmm. we can do whatever the hell plot we want and fans will keep coming back in. Because that's right. what The Flash did. The Flash were like, yeah, we've got our fandom. And they do. The ZW, mm-hmm. to their credit, the ZW somehow managed to create such <laughs> diehard fans. Like, these mm-hmm. little Flash fan pages I actually see on like Twitter and TikTok it's, and stuff. Because like. they're kids. It's because they're yeah. kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. They keep them hooked. You know? And Titans, yeah. I feel like, despite Titans being a more, a more adult show than those shows are, you know... They, being honest, I feel like the Titans' heaviest fan base probably are those exact same kids that attach yeah. more to the characters than the plot. 
and they let yeah. the plot slip season by season by season mm-hmm. by season. Right. And I, I think the biggest example, the biggest example of that for me is actually a Marvel one, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It mm. started out really, really strong. The first couple of seasons, I loved that show so much. I thought it was great. I thought it was fun, but it had its like dark moments and subplots and everything. Great. They very clearly made Fitzsimmons everyone's favorite characters. Yeah. They made sure that absolutely everyone was attached to those characters and they knew it. They knew everyone was hooked. Yeah. So every single season after that, and I mean every Everyone. season, the entire plot was these two are separated across space. Let's make the plot them come back together so everyone stays for the emotional finale when they reunite. But then, right. oh no, they get separated <laughs> because one of them is like trapped in their own mind and they don't know what's what's real. He's like an evil version of himself. Let's make the entire season her trying to turn him good again. And, like, the plots just got right. weaker and weaker, especially when they added in the whole time travel thing, mm-hmm. which just, like, added 50 layers of unnecessary confusion to things. Right. But still making every single plot point, every single storyline revolve yeah. around when are they going to reunite for the 20th time this year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, to me, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. very much... There's the specific, like, my favourite seasons and area of, I don't even know seasons, mainly half of the season, I suppose, of Agents mm-hmm. of Shield that I liked was, I think, season four, where they did everything with the LMDs and the who is real, who is real. Oh, yes. Yes. Because that, yes, I love and that, that specifically was a good plot. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I admit, I admit, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit biased because I love a mystery. I love a who uh-huh. did it, who's real. Uh, my Secret Invasion is my favourite comic book storyline because I love trying to figure out what's going on, who's the robot, <laughs> who's not, who's the alien, who's yeah. not. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. And that was the show really very much being like, this is the plot of the show. We're doing mm-hmm. the, the, we're focusing on the plot. But just before that season had, uh, that part of the season had started, they did this Ghost Rider thing where the yeah. plot was <laughs> terrible. Te- I, I couldn't understand what was going on. I loved they it. Were like, I loved it. But listen, I know a lot of people love that season specifically, and I not to discredit the person, and I, I agree with this uh, understanding is that Ghost Rider was there and he was really cool, and yeah, they were yeah, like, "Back from that." They were like, "We," they, the writers were like, "We just did a sick Ghost Rider." I don't even like, who cares about the plot? Like, <laughs> his uncle turns into God. Fuck it, like just roll with it. And then, they, and then the, like you said, the following season they were like time travel. Who cares? We've done it. We've crossed the threshold. They like these characters mm-hmm. now. Let's <laughs> do what we like. And to their credit, they did work because I watched it all the way to the end. I know we fool well the plots were getting weaker. Exactly I was like, the same. Yeah, well, I like it. This is <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Uh, That's the thing. They got you so attached to those characters that you're yeah. like, the, the situations that they're in are just so ridiculous. They're so stupid. They make zero sense. But yeah. God, do I want to see those two get back together? Yeah, like, bringing Coulson back to life for the 20th time didn't really make sense especially when I saw him mm-hmm. die I was like this time that's a that's his flat life game over goodbye yep. not, yep. no more unit season <laughs> and then I see a trailer of him back again and I'm like this makes no sense but I'm gonna figure out why and I'm gonna watch yeah. it <laughs> yeah but it's like it makes zero sense but they know we all love Bit of Clark Bray. yeah like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and Titan is um, on the cusp of that they know we hmm. love Dick and they're gonna. That sounded weird. They know we love the characters. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... No, I don't. I, I, I'll be honest. I, 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 I want. I want more. I demand more from this. Like, 
uh, uh, two DC shows that are doing it well, and I have yet to figure out why they're doing it well, is Superman and Lois. I will not stop talking about Superman and Lois until it lets me down, and it has not. And Stargirl. Stargirl just started season two of Stargirl. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, 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 it, they're lighthearted shows that have stakes. Their characters are fleshed out. I can give you three personality traits for each of these characters that don't rely on their occupation or the relationship to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they get to a point where, like, in, in Superman and Lois, it gets to a point where it's like the two brothers have a falling out or, like, a, a not a falling out, but they almost, like, could have a falling out. But instead, like, uh, any other CW would be like, oh, yeah, one brother will turn evil. No, they're yeah. like, no. Yeah. They're they're two brothers that love each other. They have a they have a problem with each other. They get over it, but it it does move it forward, right? Characters mm-hmm. that love each other, it's lacking because mm-hmm. those characters mm-hmm. won't turn evil. If you love someone, you won't yeah. turn evil and start to shoot them or blow up their friend. That's Titans, right? Yeah. But yeah. like Stargirl <laughs> and Superman and Lois have characters that you I swear, we've been trained by CW where you're watching Superman and Lois and you're like, oh man, this is the point where one runs away and there's a something or another, or Mm -hmm. like they fight over the same girl. Like there's moments Mm -hmm. in Superman and Lois, you're like, they're going to fight over the same girl and their relationship will never be the same again. And then they don't do that. And you're like, okay, good, good. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it's balanced. When I first watched Superman and Lois... From the trailers, I was like, oh, they're going to make it a teen angst Riverdale thing about the kids and Superman's yeah. going to be there sometimes. But it's actually about the entire family. We get whole plots with Lois doing active things rather than just being the mom and the wife. You know, the, the boys, yeah, like I said, the boys, rather than being the, the typical Riverdale-esque characters, they actually feel three-dimensional. Like, Clark has his own thing. Even the, the extra characters bringing in, like, um, Steel and uh, Sam Lane and all these other characters feel like they all have their own third dimension to them right. that doesn't that doesn't lean into like cliches of like oh Lana's back that means it's going to be some sort of love triangle that's yeah, what that's, I thought yeah <laughs> yeah those are like yeah. the two shows that I I haven't started them yet but I've seen so many bits and pieces from them that I'm like I understand why people are yelling at me to actually watch this and I think I put them off for so long because the first thing that I heard about either of them, the, the only thing that I could focus on was their CW shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are CW yeah. DC yeah. shows. And I'm like, I left that world behind <laughs> a good few years ago and I never planned to return to it. And I yeah. thought that Superman and Lois and Stargirl, as you say, they were going to be like the exact same thing. But from the things that I've seen and from the like, really surprisingly positive reviews that I've been getting like left, right and center. Those two are next on my to watch list. They're like yeah. right at the top of my priority list now. And I need to binge both of them. Binge them. I haven't uh, binged Superman and Lois. I've not watched Stargirl yet, but I binged Superman and Lois out when everyone forced me to. I was like, actually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we could talk for hours upon hours. Luckily, I have multiple shows here on the Keeg that I am definitely going to ask you two to come back for. Um, thank you guys so much for being a part of this episode, Abby, Terrell. Uh, was there any final thoughts that you guys wanted to get out there? Because I don't want to cut you off 
uh, completely, but any closing closing arguments, closing thoughts uh, <laughs> before the jury goes out and has to make a verdict? Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, there's no <laughs> right or wrong answers. Uh, Abby, do you have any do you have any final thoughts about Titans or adaptations in general? Um, this this is not so much uh, like a, a thought or an opinion kind of thing. This is just something that I I noticed and I thought was cool that I should probably bring up in this. When I said I I rewatched a few of the like important episodes um, from seasons one and two, they actually foreshadowed the whole Batman snapping and then Jason snapping in the exact ways that they did in the season one finale and the premiere of season two. Because the whole thing of those episodes was each of the characters um, being like trapped in a nightmare thing in their mind so that they would do the evil thing and try to go on with gain control of them. And I, I wrote them down. I wrote them down. <laughs> so I remember this. Um, in Dick's nightmare, he sees Batman snap and is, the, the entire thing is Batman snaps and he kills the Joker. Mm -hmm. That is the entire thing that, like, it's like Bruce crossing the line. They make a point of it being, you know, oh, he's crossed that line. That's something that he never does. Once he does it, he'll never come back. Mm -hmm. And then in the premiere episode of season two, Jason's nightmare was the continuation of Dick's one. And Dick mm -hmm. says to Jason, um, you've been trained too well by Bruce the I think you're going to snap in the exact same way that he did. And I just thought that was <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I think about that, after seeing the first three episodes, I was like, oh. Yeah. In a way oh, they okay. should have predicted it. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, the nightmares were just like premonitions essentially. I didn't even mm -hmm. think of that. So yeah, I I just I just spotted those and I thought I really, really wanted <laughs> I wanted to share that because I 100 percent if I didn't watch specifically those episodes, I would have never made that connection if I didn't watch yeah. those today. I'm so lucky I watched those specific episodes. <laughs> yeah. I did not go back and rewatch the episode, so I'm glad you did. I'm glad some of you did. <laughs> okay. Yes, that, right. that's just my, my final little fun fact that I wanted to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terrell, any, anything that you wanted to uh, uh, get out before we... Before um, we get out, just generally say, also we spent the last couple of hours like just basically completely dragging DC <laughs> out of their, yeah. their worst traits. DC is not like, in terms of their media specifically, not just the comics, but like DC is not all bad. In particular, I'm talking about Titans, I do like the reason I, I'm still watching it. I am kind of like I'm invested. I don't hate it that much, or where I can't. Yeah. It's not like the Flash, or like hey, even the Flash <laughs> is too much. And I'm know. I might give up on the Flash. I might. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm. I don't know. I have no intention. I literally just wanted to find out the lightsaber thing. I have no intention. I wouldn't think I was really paying attention. I have no intention of continuing pretty much anything in the CW universe aside from Superman and Lois, and I will get on Stargirl, but the rest of them are left by the wayside. Yeah. Um, but I'd say I really enjoyed Titans specifically because of the way they've done certain characters. Like, I, I feel invested enough in Dick's story. I liked season two's sort of parallels of like the previous Titans versus the teen Titans, um, mm. how they're telling that sort of narrative. It's not, it's, it's not terrible. It's, it's enough that you get invested in. And what I want to say when it comes to DC specifically, because I know I've got a large Marvel following and I, I still talk about both. 
um, is that I know Marvel fans have a problem with this, where, like, if nothing is the MCU, they don't even bother trying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My biggest pet peeve with any fandom, like, you know, Star Wars fans are the same. If it's not the main nine films, then they're not going to even bother. T- they're not going to touch the Bad Batch because it's nothing to do with the main plot or whatever. Yeah. I always say, if someone tells you something is a good show, you know, or something recommends the show, I feel like you kind of owe it to yourself to at least watch it, try it out. If you don't like it, mm-hmm. you don't like it. But I don't, I, I, I always hate the idea of people being like, it's DC, why would I even bother? Um, right. I think that's where, that's probably what happened with the Suicide Squad. They're like, cr- critical success, fans loved it, box office right. didn't smash because it's hard to convince someone <laughs> to watch Suicide Squad after the last one. <laughs> yeah. Right. M- much less of characters they've never heard of before. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'd say, yeah, my closing statement is it's always worth giving something a try. I thought I would hate Titans, but actually it's pretty sick. And I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm glad I'm glad that I had you two on the show you guys bring such amazing thoughts and analysis uh, 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 to this uh, to the Titans again things that I'm missing while watching Titans because <laughs> I watch it being like I like the last three episodes I was like I'm writing down notes while I watch and do some other work and I'm like uh, I wish I was more invested in Titans I watch it but um, I'm glad that I have you two uh, on the show, uh, giving me good things because I also complain a lot and I, I, I'm hurt. I'm, uh, hurt sometimes by like some of these adaptations and, and I never need a one-to-one thing, but you know, uh, I think having, putting characters first is the big reason why Superman and Lois, Stargirl and the Suicide Squad were such great like pieces you know, mm. and, and Young Justice too, the cartoon Young Justice um, yes. is, is good because it puts the characters first and then puts them on plots, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's how, like, we should be doing that, and Marvel does it a lot. Like, in the good Marvel stuff, it's, it's that way. Um, mm. And so, that's kind of what I'm gathering. But um, thank you, uh, Abby, thank you, Terrell, for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with me. Um, before we get going, um, I want to know if you could say your social media out loud and tell us, uh, what you're up to, what you have coming up. If there's any plugs that you want to do, uh, say that. Cause keep in mind, it's not just live streamed. It's also podcast. So if you could say your social media out loud while you do it, um, Abby, do you want to go first? Uh, I am Abby Zarafa Bun on everything. Um, so on TikTok, on Instagram, on twitter i'm mainly on tiktok that's where i mostly post um like all my videos and everything i uh spelling wise (laughs) but people often get confused when they just hear it burn is b-y-r-n-e not like fire flame burn (laughs) the number of misspellings i've had in my lifetime (laughs) so how would you spell your whole your whole username my whole username is A B B Y Z E R A F A B Y R N E. And for full on spelling test there. Yeah. <laughs> for for <laughs> listeners and viewers out there, Z uh, is Z in Amer- in American English. Yes. <laughs> in, in British English, English English, Z is Z. So, or Z is Z. You know what I mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh do you guys say you guys say zebra also right yeah, yeah zebra yeah zebra Zebra instead of zebra we say zebra here 
zebra, zebra, tomato, <laughs> tomato. All right. Um, and sorry, did you say what you have? Do you have anything coming up? Um, it's mostly just the the videos on TikTok. I do a live stream on TikTok at five thirty uh, English time every Sunday, um, where we just talk about whatever new episode of a show has come out that week any new films that have come out if nothing new has happened then it's a big old general conversation about anything and everything <laughs> nerd related yeah. um so yeah that that's the, that's the main thing that i've got going live streams 5 30 english time every sunday on tiktok 5 30 english time is i i'm, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out this this Five five thirty minus eight, uh, six minus six minus eight is negative two, so that's ten. But then minus a half is that nine thirty? Yeah, nine thirty. Okay. Anyway, uh, for for any well nine thirty for Pacific time. Time zones are crazy, y'all. <laughs> time uh, as a concept, I don't think we need it. We can just get rid of it all. Yeah, just exist. Yeah. It's Come dark on. sometimes, but it's light <laughs> sometimes. So figure it out in between. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Corey, Corey, who's a who's a guest on the show, but uh, she just popped into the chat saying, Can, uh, "You definitely need to say." And then she wrote A L U M I N, and then I U M. I think over there. How do you say that? Aluminium. 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 That's what Corey. There's wanted. an so I. There is yeah, an I in it's that there. word. We sound it out. <laughs> yeah, there's no I in in our one. In our one, it's just it's N U M. So it's oh, was it actually spelled without an I? In, yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. I actually found out why some of that is why like color is spelt without the U in the states and all that. Apparently, it's because when the newspapers and the printing press started in America, um, you would have to pay by letter um, how much you had like in the newspaper. So if you were writing an article you paid for every letter. So if yeah. there's like a double L or an extra vowel or something that just wasn't deemed necessary, they would spell yeah. it without that to pay less. And then that became the normal way of saying it in the States. Oh. Fun fact. Oh. Is that why Worcestershire? Is that like why Worcestershire? Every consonant in there is... Worcestershire? The ironic part of like long names and places like that is that it's written out super long but British people say it in the laziest way possible it's got all of those yeah. letters in there but like you know, Worcestershire Worcestershire we don't yeah, even put any breath into it it's Worcestershire yeah. we just say one of the, the the consonant parts and the vowels just, three, fill out. just three syllables Worcestershire yeah Worcestershire yeah, yeah. Buck, Buckinghamshire <laughs> Birmingham just we forget all of the extra sounds we just make noises and hopefully the word yeah. comes out yeah <laughs> pretty much um, <laughs> I, I'm learning. I'm learning so much. Uh, so uh, thank you, and for everybody out there, now they know what what London or uh, or English time is. Uh, it's mm -hmm. eight hours ahead of Pacific time, and five hours ahead of Eastern time. So um, thanks for uh, thank. This is like the magic school bus, but we're learning about <laughs> uh, learning about England. Um, Terrell, what's your social media? Any plugs? Where can we find you? What do you got coming up? Uh, so at Theories by T on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, all the same. I think YouTube is Theories by Terrell, but Theories by T comes up anyway. But to clarify, that is literally the word Theories 
the word by and the word tea. I often, sometimes people would like, oh, hey, like, Bytes, like, they think my name is just B-Y-T. Is that, yeah. like, yo, that's, your, that's your name, right? Theories, Bytes. Like, no, <laughs> nope. That's not quite, maybe I should have used underscores, but I didn't. Theories, <laughs> Bytes. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, that, there's confusion there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, all the same on all the social platforms. Um, uh, and what I've got coming up, huh, so I've got two very, very exciting products coming up. Uh, or well, one of them at least is coming in the next week, two weeks, two weeks, and another one is not got a locked in date, but that one's really unconfirmed. Uh, and annoyingly, they're very like, they're so excited that I can't actually talk about them exactly as to what they are. But if you're, they're both to do with Marvel. One specifically is to do with Shang-Chi. The other one is, again, it's still unconfirmed, so it's still in the air. But if you're a fan of Marvel and Shang-Chi specifically, not even just the movie, just Shang-Chi specifically, then it is in your best interest to make sure you're following me on TikTok and YouTube specifically. It's very exciting for in the next two weeks. What does that mean? Oh, What's see, that very, very cryptic. It's very, very exciting. Cryptic. I woke up. I woke up one morning to like two very exciting emails about two entirely different things, but both Marvel related, and I was very happy about them. It's very exciting. Ooh. Okay, okay. <laughs> I said one uh, morning, it was like 1 a.m. at night and I jumped out of bed, but still. Oh yeah. <laughs> good, good for you. I'm excited to see what that is. Um, um, I I love having you two on the show, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you to the audience out there for listening or watching, uh, wherever you are, whether you're watching the live stream on volume.com, uh, which we do uh, multiple days a week, uh, all sorts of different shows. Uh, if you follow us on social media at the Keeg Show on TikTok and Instagram, that's the easiest way to keep track of the schedule. Um, but we're, we are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, we are on Twitch, and Volume is, those four are our streaming platforms. But then if you're listening to this and you're listening to the podcast, uh, you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. So our podcast is all over the place, as well as our streams. We're all over social media. So wherever you think we are, we're probably there. So definitely <laughs> stay tuned. It's either The Keeg or The Keeg Show, depending. Um, but that's the easiest way to, to look us up and uh, be a part of this. We have so many different shows. The Keeg Live, we talked about Titans today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man as a whole, just the, the concept and the character and the storylines and the comics and the movies and whatever. We're going to be talking about that on Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific time with uh, uh, Ben Schubert, Shuby Dubert from... Uh, uh, TikTok. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. And then we also have uh, our What If After Show, which is late night on Wednesdays or no, early morning on Wednesdays. I don't know. And then we have Comic Talk on Thursdays, The Key Back on Fridays. So we're all over the place. We got Instagram live chats. We're doing a lot of stuff. Definitely stay tuned to social media to figure out what exactly we have each and every day because we are bound to have something each and every day. But once again, thank you to the audience out there. Thank you to Abby. Thank you to Terrell for coming on the show, talking Titans with us. Once again, I'm your host, Demetra Pereira, and this has been The Keeg Live. Take care, everybody. Peace out. Super.
super fast.